The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings, web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. DarkImaginings.com For the deepest, darkest clues, to the backwoods swamp where you hit the bottom, for the inside of your casket, to the fears are deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. Day from the original George Romero's Night of the Living Dead. You are all listening to the Big Scary Show. Let's have a wonderful time. Hey guys, this is Jeremy from Wicked World Scaregrounds in Lexington, Kentucky, and you are listening to the Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Mark Patton from Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to the Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hey, Big Scary Show listeners, listen up real clear now. This is Russ Streiner, Johnny from the original Night of the Living Dead, and I'm so glad to be here with you guys. So let's get started, Big Scary Show. Hi, my name's Jamie. Hi, this is Wayne from the Dead Speak. And you're listening to the Big Scary Show. This is Travis Bowling with the American Horrorplex, and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. You're listening to the Big Scary Show with... Three big scary man and one that wears more makeup than I do. Greetings, everyone. You're making it through a sweltering hot summer, but nothing's more hot than the topics here on this episode of The Big Scary Show. That's right, you're tuning in and you're going to hear Badger giving you the deadline news. He's got all the great topics that are going on so that you're in the know and will be ready for the haunt season, already ready for it in July. Badger's also going to take a trip to Lexington, Kentucky for the Haunters Against Hate show. And he's got some really cool interviews. He'll be talking to celebrities, dead and alive, haunts, even goats. Yeah, I'm not kidding, they're goats. Goats in this episode. That's awesome, and, you know, a great show for a great cause, so we're glad Badger has gotten that for us. Uh, Meat Hook Jim wants you to hang around because he's got an interesting subject for Between the Corpses as he deals with torture and execution. Jonah is back for Ask the Old Crone, and she's going to go through the American with Disabilities Act and regulations and, and what you can do with that with your haunt. I have a haunt minute. We have Battle of the 12 Foot Lawn Monsters. Yeah! 
and of course, the Roundtable of Terror. And, you know, it's always a discussion that can never truly be expressed just in one episode. So we've brought back Jonathan and Ted from our last Roundtable to further discuss, you know, actor training and actor character development for your haunt. Another great discussion. We're going to hit some really cool topics, some great ideas for your haunt. Look forward to that. And, of course, everything else you can expect from the Big Scary Show. Gruesome giveaway, some awesome music, all kinds of great things. Coming at you, Big Scary Show, episode 267, gets hot right now. There's been one great disaster after another. First came the theme, then the birds. There was the day the earth stood still, and the day the earth caught fire. If it didn't come from another world, it came from beneath the sea. But now comes the greatest disaster film of them all, The Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. Can nothing stop this tomato onslaught? Yes, disaster fans, Killer Tomatoes. And the more you try to stop them, the messier things get. <laughs> the Attack of the Keller Tomatoes, with a cast of 3,642. The most terrifying movie ever, says Better Homes and Gardens. See! Attack of the Killer Tomatoes. The first disaster film that's truly a disaster. Rated PG. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live at the Haunters Against Hate, the event number two here in Lexington, Kentucky. And you never know who you're going to run into here. Lots of different people, but hey, it's super special correspondent Tater who's visiting here and doing some stuff. How you doing, Mr. Tater? I brought my cape. Well, you're not the only one. There's a lot of people walking around here in various capes of various sizes and colors, and it's all very, very cool. So what's bringing you to Haunters Against Hate, the event? They stole my cape. I'm sorry. I'm going to get it back. There you go. Uh, we're here supporting a great industry thingy. <laughs> yes, indeed. It's another convention, and this one's always for a good cause. They got their 501c3, so they're an official charity. And, of course, supporting the LGBTQ community as well. So, you know, a lot of folks out here doing a lot of good work and uh, selling a lot of cool stuff. And I assume Froggy's is out here as well selling some stuff. Froggy's Fog is out here. That's why I'm here. <laughs> Indeed. So what's going on with Froggy's? Uh, you have hinted there may be something new coming out on the horizon. There is something new. Um, but I don't want to talk about it right now. I'm going to tease it until... Until later. Yeah, okay. make these people suffer through your boring, monotone <laughs> podcast with Meat Hook and yourself and... All the others. Yeah, All and right. then we just drop the bomb on them. All right, well, we'll throw this one at the beginning of the show as a teaser and force them to listen to the very end. Do we do we want to, like, give them a little, like, hint? If you wish. It, the mic is yours. Not Ooh, officially. Oh. Uh, I feel like... This is a product that I've been personally working on for numbers of years trying to get. We, we've heard uh, you guys ask about it and ask about it and ask about it, and we wanted to make sure that we could get you one for a good price point, and it's going to do what you need. Uh, wouldn't be edible bubbles, would it? 
No. <laughs> you know. Colored fog? No. Dang I it. wish it was that, but no. No. Something that's going to put us into maybe a new industry. Ooh. Interesting. Well, we will just have to wait and see what's going on there. When you are ready, come back to the table and we shall talk. Uh, what what that means, Drew, is I'm going to be traveling more, probably. <laughs> oh, excellent. That means we'll also see you at more shows. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Tater, always a good time to see you, my friend, here at Haunters Against Tate in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, eventually we're going to get to... drinking goats with... And petting mimosas. Yes, they are. Goat goat mimosas are fantastic. Anyway, folks, we're here at Lexington, Kentucky, having a grand old time at Haunters Against Hate for the Big Scary Show. This is Drew Badger and Super Special Correspondent Tater with his cape. Yeah! And we're out. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com. And check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com. Music by Midnight Syndicate. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here. We're live at the Haunters Against Hate, the event number two down here in Louisville, Kentucky, or Lexington, Kentucky. I mentioned Louisville because sitting next to me is a man who is very big in the Louisville community. And I'm not just talking about, you know, physical aspects. I'm a big guy myself, but it is none other than Travis Bowling of the American Horrorplex, a great haunt in Louisville, Kentucky. How are you, sir? I'm living the dream or the nightmare, however you want to think about it. Uh, that could mean so many different things. Now, unfortunately, I was—I have not had the chance to go to American Harplex yet, but I was at your old haunt, 7th Street Haunt, which was a fantastic haunt when we went there. But what is happening this year, 2022, at the American Horrorplex? Well, the American Horrorplex this year, we've uh, gone in and polished up the blood, added a few pneumatics, um, and what we've tried to do is just bring out our storyline a little bit more. Um, to and where that would be? Well, so our storyline is in 1946, our building was built as part of Operation Paperclip. And the uh, evil experiments and twisted doctors that were inside all were um, under the shadow of the U.S. government. So they could get away with anything until the property burned in 1966. And now we are finding out what experiments still remain on the property. Uh, it sounds like a great. It's not a, it's not a very well used one, you know. Shadow governments, notwithstanding evil experiments, people use that. But they, but the way to combine them all together, that's a pretty darn cool combination. And and apparently, for the past few years, since you reopened as the American Horror Plex, audiences and crowds have just been getting bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, huge. Um, you know, we had our best season to date last last year, and we hope to capitalize on that going forward. Um, the, one of the things that we try to do is we want everyone to have more than just the haunted house to go through. So um, whenever you buy the ticket to the American Horrorplex, you also get our live animal encounters. Um, you get all the entertainment in the queue line for free. Do you get uh, the uh, pigs and goats over here? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Butterfly Valley, they're a huge part of our haunt. So um, I just don't want people to come through, go to the haunted house, and then go home. I want people to enjoy the all the experiences that we have. So is, is yours more of a destination where people go and spend three to four hours hanging out, doing all this stuff? Not necessarily. I would say the average customer is probably on our property for about two hours. Okay. Um, but in those two hours, there's so much to do 
that, um, you know, you get that much more one-on-one with each customer. And um, like I said, it just helps build those memories and experiences, and that's what we want. That they keep coming back year after year for, no doubt. Absolutely, because at the end of the day, no matter how good or bad the show was, that's the memory, and that's what's going to stick with them. When are you going to train the goats to, like, start holding knives and machetes and things like that? Um, Well, uh, so August the 22nd. (laughs) <laughs> that's that's our training date for that's the goats. That's a workshop for goats. <laughs> I, I need to be at that. Let me go check my schedule on that. But uh, speaking of schedules, uh, you're a member of the Louisville Halloween community, which is a big, big community. There's like 20-plus haunts in the greater Louisville area. And you guys do a lot of different things during the summer. There's like movie nights and special things going on and, and stuff all during the year. Uh, and I don't think I've ever talked to anybody officially with Louisville Halloween, but what exactly is that? And it sounds like something that other communities around the country need to do, especially when there's a lot of haunts nearby. So Louisville Halloween is uh, ran uh, primarily by uh, Mike Book and uh, Brian. And Brian, I'm sorry, I forget your last name. But um, <clears throat> they try to do these a lot of off-season events, movie nights, uh, balloon glows, uh, live action escape room type scenarios through the woods and beyond that they're also trying to advertise for Louisville haunted houses and Halloween events. Louisville's a destination city for you know Derby and uh, Derby Festival so why not make it one about Halloween Sure. and with the guidance of these guys they've really brought in a bunch of new customers to our market that normally you would never know about and um I know in August they are having a uh, event. It's pretty big this go around, and it's called Brews, Tunes, and Barbecues, um, and it's at Poplick Park in Louisville. And there'll be live bands, uh, cookouts. It's it's a great big, huge event. And of course, all the local haunts will be there helping support them. I imagine the legend at Poplick Haunted Lick Haunted Attraction will somehow be involved. Oh, absolutely! That's its <laughs> home base, and. Um, are they normally open for people to go through during these off-season events? Do you know that? Um, I don't know that for sure, but I do know that there are aspects of it okay. that are open to the public at that time. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Does uh, American Horrorplex plan to do some off-season events this year or next? Probably next year. Uh, one of the things that we are a real stickler about now, which we didn't used to be, is if we do an off-season event, it needs to add to the storyline that people are already know and experience. Um, and something that they don't normally get during season. So I don't want patience in Santa hats for no reason. <laughs> but <clears throat> we had teamed up with um, Wicked World Scaregrounds, and they came up with their laser tag equipment. And we did an off-season event at the end of the season last year, and you were made to go in and blow up our building. You know, that's how in 1966 oh, it blew that up. sounds tremendous. So Sorry. we built props for that and everything else to build on that storyline. Oh, fantastic. For people wanting more information about the American Horrorplex, when's opening date and how are, can people buy tickets? I don't know if you do online ticketing or pre-sales, but where can people get all that information with websites and social medias? So you can always go to AmericanHorrorplex.com, Facebook American Horrorplex. We're on TikTok, Instagram, all that good stuff. We do have online ticket sales and um, also lots of different coupons and things. But the most important thing is September 16th, opening night. September 16th, folks, for the American Horrorplex. I assume a lot of haunts will be opening that one, but you should definitely put that one on the list. Travis, my friend, is always a great pleasure to talk to you here on the Big Scary Show. We're hanging out with all the cool kids. 
at the Haunters Against Hate, the event number two down here in Lexington, Kentucky. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we are out. Just gather around, and I'll elucidate on what goes on outside when it gets late. Long about midnight, the ghosts and banshees, they get together for their nightly jamboree. There's things with horns and soccer eyes. So much bangs about this time. Some are fat, and some are thin. And some don't even wear their skin. Oh, I'm telling you, brother, it's a frightful sight to see what goes on Halloween night. Jerry Bain and Tim Tantrum, the Headless Man, on the Big Scary Show.
Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We are live in Lexington, Kentucky at the Haunters Against Hate, the event number two. All the cool kids, all the celebrities are here. We're hanging out with lots and lots of cool folks and saw this guy at the Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh a few weeks ago. Didn't want to talk to him because I wanted to talk to him here. From Nightmare on Elm Street 2, it is Mark Patton. How are you, sir? I'm good, thank you. How has the show been? I assume people have been coming up here and buying autographs and talking to you about Nightmare and some other films. Oh, yeah, we had a good time. We always have a good time. The fans are great. And uh, this was pretty special, you know, because of what it is, Haunters. And um, we had a wonderful Q&A yesterday, and I just made a bunch of new friends. It's great. Love it. So you do the convention circuit fairly frequently. I've seen you around over the last few years doing this. What are people mostly talking to you about? I assume it's Nightmare. There's, there's other films that you're well known for. You're considered the original male Scream Queen, which I think is a, a very interesting badge of honor. Um, tell us what people are mostly asking you questions about. Uh, well, my fame rebuilt over the course of the last 10 years is I'm a very, I fill a very specific role in these conventions and I am they do call me the scream queen and all that kind of stuff but it's about bullying and my documentary actually has kind of gone in front of Nightmare on Elm Street my documentary is that one of the number one documentaries in the world and I travel everywhere with that Spain I'm just on my way to Spain now and I started working again I have a new movie uh, that's just releasing right now called Swallowed, uh, Jenna Malone and I. And it's a huge, it's going to be a huge, huge movie. It was directed by the guy that directed The Runes. And people are talking about that. And of course, Jesse. I mean, Jesse's the one. Nightmare on Elm Street brought me to the party. Sure. You know. A lot of people like to talk about my experience with Robert Altman, too, which is, you know, uh, film fans love Altman. So there's plenty to talk about. It's just, you know, it's a whole life, it's a, what it is. Most people, when they have a sequel, it's never quite as good as the first. You were in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, the first sequel to the original. Did you have any idea that there would be so many Nightmare movies made after this? It's, it's literally become one of the most successful film franchises in history. And, you know, everybody knows Freddy Krueger, whether you like horror movies or not. It, the franchise sold for a billion dollars. So, Did not know that. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I uh, screen tested for the first one with Heather and I, and I didn't get it. And then because Johnny Depp did, and then um, then I did this one, and this was really going to be the the last because like Wes didn't want to have a franchise; he wasn't interested in. But when the money started rolling, they were like, because this was done maybe as a cash grab, the second one. But it turned out to be really good, and it made $40 million, which uh, in 1980, $40 million was like $400 million. And it, they call this the, the movie, that, the house that Freddy built. I mean, it's like because Lord of the Rings, all of those movies 
are fed off of this money. And so by the time Bob left, he sold New Line for a billion dollars, personally, yeah. And then the actual franchise was bought by Warner Brothers, and they're just sitting there waiting to reboot it now. So I would say probably, because they did the first one and it wasn't right, they had offended the wrong people. But that it's such a valuable property that if they do it right the next time, they'll redo the whole series again. Do you think the fans will embrace it? Because, you know, there was the Freddy remake a few years ago with Jesse Earl Haley. Well, that was the, that was the mistake. Yes. Yeah, it's like okay. young people of the hubris of, first of all, they didn't talk to Robert. And the, uh, they, would, they should have given him something, a little money, and put him on the road. At least how a much, cameo. Well, he didn't want a cameo. Oh, okay. I mean, if he wanted to do it, he'd do it himself. Uh, Robert's quite wealthy from all of this, and he, but he's seven, in his seventies, and it's very hard work. So, but if he would have just said, "Oh, I give it my blessing," but they just ignored him, well, the fans went crazy. So nobody wanted to see it at all. And then, why buy a franchise and not use what's in it? Do you know what I mean? They. The, they wanted to reinvent the wheel. Well, the, you don't reinvent that wheel. You just like, so, but no, and they will. But I really think actually, they're get, somebody's coming up that'll do it. But I think the major money of it will come from, sadly, when Robert passes away. Unfortunately, yeah. and you know, he is in his 70s. But seems to be in very good health. He's still doing convention appearances. I think he'll be in Lexington here at the end of October. I believe so. So, yes, so. Uh, I, I did not know that you had auditioned for the role that Johnny Depp got in the first movie, and you know, I, yeah, I screen tested for it. Okay. And I was more than auditioned. I mean, I was like, but Wes's daughter chose between me and okay. Johnny. And, and of course, he passes away in the movie, you know, fairly quickly. And of course, you know that that ended his career effectively, right? Yes. Oh yes. <laughs> eh, he's done okay for himself, yeah. but then but then you get this, and you're you're basically oh, the was, star. This was meant for me. Okay. I mean, I did I, they write this specifically for you? No, but I mean, I feel in the karma of my life. It's like all of this was meant for me to do Scream Queen. Okay. The most important movie that I've made and will ever make is Scream Queen. Uh, it's a really super powerful uh, documentary. And the experience, like what happens in the documentary, ha- the, the, it, if it plays in Spain, it's the same as it is in New York. If it plays in Carolina, it's the same. It's a movie for anybody who had ever been bullied. And you get to go back and tell people, oh, you're not who I, I'm not who you thought I was. And it's a really, I mean, it's mine, but I will, you'll cry and laugh and scream. It's, uh, it's, it's unbelievable. And it's, I speak at universities and um, I go into conventions. The Q&A yesterday was like, uh, they're like therapy sessions. Like people cry and they talk about how powerful the movie was for them. And uh, and that's, you pray to get that kind of power when you're um, a, an actor. And that's my pulpit. I mean, I get to talk about things that generally they don't talk about at horror conventions. Where can people see this documentary now? Is it just in theaters, or is it going to streaming, or is it on streaming at this oh, it's, point? It's everywhere. It's at Amazon, uh, Amazon Prime, Shutter paid for part of it, so it's on Shutter. Uh, everywhere. Just type in 
Scream Queen, my nightmare on Elm Street, and you'll be there. Excellent. Yeah. And where will you be making some appearances in the next, say, three to six months, maybe through the end of the year? Are there any major shows? You said you're getting ready to head to Spain, but are you going to be going to some horror conventions, some fan conventions and things where people can meet and talk and buy your autographs and things like that? Uh, yeah, I, I, for the next 17 weeks, I'm wow. one every, every night. I'm going to Houston, uh, Oklahoma City, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, uh, everywhere. I mean, I could actually, I could do these probably every weekend if I wanted to. Uh, but I live in Mexico City, so I, well, I've been in Mexico for 17 years now, which I love. Um, so I ch- pick and choose where I want to go. But uh, I travel with Kim a lot, Lisa and Robert Russler. We do our things together. And it's a very lucrative career. You know, it's very nice. So, so I, if you can complain about sitting down and signing a piece of paper and people paying you to do it and they tell you they love you then you should go someplace else. nice work if you can get it i know you, you have to earn those dues but uh absolutely this is this is fantastic yeah i think i think of it as my trust fund i must have been a good boy in another life because <laughs> i this is a gift and i and i and, and i genuinely enjoy it i mean i like talking to people and so it's good, and now people have started writing movies for me. I mean, literally, they walk up, hand me a script, and say, do you want to do this? And I've done 11 movies in the last two years, two wow. and a half years. Yeah. So, And they keep getting better and better and bigger and bigger. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Swallowed, which is the movie that's coming out now. I mean, because the reviews are, I mean, like, unbelievable. Like from the New York Times, like from Dread Central, all of them. So it's great. Excellent. For people wanting to know more information about your career, maybe some um, convention appearances, do you have websites and social medias where people can follow you and get that information? Yeah, it's always on Mark Patton. Just Google the first Mark Patton. That'll be me. And then it's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Put those in, and I have them all. Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, websites, the whole nine yards. Well, Mark Patton, I wish you safe travels to Spain. I wish you nothing but success for the movie Swallow coming out. I hope many of our fans will come and meet you at one of the conventions in the states that you listed. I'm sure they know the conventions that you're talking about. And again, look for Mark Patton on social media, and uh, you can find out his convention appearances. He loves talking to fans, so come on out and speak to him. Okay, thank you guys so much, and I'll see you out on the road. Next up is Houston, Texas. So come and see me. Excellent. Once again, Mark Patton, thank you for taking the time to be here on the Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger, here at Haunters Against Hate, and we're out. Greetings, listeners, and welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time for Between the Corpses. Greetings, listeners. Meat Hook Jim here. And on this episode of Between the Corpses, we're going to continue torture and execution. And we're still in Before the Age of Reason, and we're talking about the gibbet. When hangings failed to bring down the crime rate in the 18th century England, the lawmakers developed another deterrent. The body of a hanged convict swung upon a gibbet near the scene of his crime to strike horror into the hearts of passers-by. Britain's Murder Act of 1752 permitted dead men to be hung 
by a chain as part of the sentence for serious misdemeanors. It could occur after or instead of dissection by surgeons. Sometimes the gibbet, the corpse was suspended from a tall scaffold. This didn't make sense here for a second, sorry. Others were cages which housed the corpses and preserved them against the ravages of nature or rescue attempts by concerned relatives. Bodies were often doused in tar to make them last longer. Well, a few people were hung in chains while still alive, left to die of thirst or exposure. Highwayman John Whitfield suffered such a fate near Carlisle in 1777. Unpopular for his crimes against local people, no rescue bids were forthcoming. Out of pity, a coachman dispatched him with a bullet some days into his punishment. Highwaymen were often gibbeted as a stark warning to others concerning the same trade. So rural routes throughout the country were peppered with gibbets. Traveling alone at night and chancing upon the site was morbidly frightening. The chains rattled, the iron plates scarcely kept the gibbet together, and the rags of the highwaymen displayed their horrible skeletons, wrote one observer. Po poet William Wordsworth fled from an empty gibbet faltering and faint. Many travelers took lengthy detours to miss these dreadful sights. Yet urban gibbets became a popular Sunday afternoon destination for city folk. Many of them took their children along, assuming the fearful sight would, be, would act as a deterrent. Three bodies gibbeted at Wimbledon in 1795 apparently attracted a large portion of London's population one summer's day. Bodies remained on the gibbet for weeks or months, sometimes until the bones became weathered and brittle and collapsed. Friends and family tried to save loved ones from this final humiliation. According, accordingly, the gibbet that held Adam Graham in 1747 was 36 feet high and studded with nails, his crime was not recorded. An unknown person set light to a gibbet in Derbyshire, bearing the remains of three highwaymen. Given that the dead men were coated in tar, the flames were so intense that all were reduced to ash. In a letter to Home Secretary Robert Peel in 1824, William Sykes argued for the abolition of the gibbet at the Port of London, where the decomposing bodies of errant sailors and pirates were displayed. The scarecrow remains of the poor wretches who long since expired by death their crimes were offensive to female travelers and an insult to sailors. The remains of mortality is a sad sight under any circumstance. Under such circumstances, it is revolting.
disgusting, pitiable, dishonorable, to the law's omnipotence, and discreditable to the administrators of the law. In 1832, the last two men to be gibbeted in England were hoisted aloft. They were minor William Jobling from the northeast coast and bookbinder George Cook from Lichtershire, both convicted of murder. The separate events attracted large, appreciative crowds. But distaste for this practice in polite society made itself felt in government. During the parliamentary debate that led to its abolition in 1834, Lord Sheffield asserted that the dire warning intended by the gibbet was lost on the populace. Its only effect, he said, was that of scaring children and brutalizing the minds of the people. It could produce no moral effect whatsoever. Now, if you don't know what a gibbet is, it's a big iron cage. Um, you know, if you watch like Pirates of the Caribbean, you'll see where they got skeletons hanging in a metal cage. That's a gibbet. That's what they're talking about. So, uh, torture and execution just keeps getting more and more interesting. We'll catch you on the next show. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at the Haunters Against Hate, the event down here in Lexington, Kentucky, and hanging out with all the cool kids. And who should walk by our booth? None other than Maximus Christian Bryant. Been on our show before when we had our first-time Trans World attendees last year. He's the president of the Ohio Haunters Association. Works at the Dent Schoolhouse in Cincinnati. Does lots and lots of other things and is a good friend of the show. So, Maximus, how are you, sir? I'm good, Drew. How are you doing? Uh, we are hanging out. We are seeing a lot of really cool people. We're hanging out with a lot of cool people. We're talking to a lot of cool people it's this is a cool little convention i really enjoyed this so far i am too and i'm i'm i mean personal note i love the goats the goats and the pigs are, are the pig is the, are the really cool thing lula lulu uh they said yeah those, that's really neat seeing that and i know they set up at american horrorplex throughout the year so it's just really great to see them at this event so they're just down the road about 45 minutes or so right exactly so i but this this event is just looking great and i'm really glad to be a part of it and be here and the goat momo the goat mosas they were serving this morning where you sat with the goats and drank mimosas i mean beautiful concept line out the door this morning and they'll do it again tomorrow so if you're here tomorrow you better get here early and get your tickets because that was kind of fun to just sit there with the goats and drink mimosas and why they do like you know goat things yeah exactly well i mean you know animal therapy is a thing and then i think this is a you know fantastic way to have it and i i mean i i just i like seeing the animals they're so friendly and get to pet them and uh and you know butterfly valley i i hear heard their story and uh it's amazing work they do absolutely and there's a lot of other fun stuff happening too and great people everywhere 
So a lot of fun here, and you're down here representing the Ohio Haunters Association. You're teaching a class, I understand. What's going on with that? Well, uh, so I'm also part of the Global Scare Network. It's basically an organization of uh, international haunters. We have some from Australia and Scotland, and we're looking to look at haunt topics, but from an international perspective. So today we're going to be talking about uh, terror around the world, storytelling from uh, internationally, like where do the folks in Australia and Scotland and and, uh, people in Portland, where do they draw their stories from? What myths and legends are they drawing from for their haunts and how do they implement them? So I think that there's a lot of value there for people to come and hear how folks in other countries are doing that. So I'm guessing it's not the Freddies and the Jasons and things overseas. Uh, No, not. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they they definitely love them. They they seem to, you know, and that's, that's the thing, like, I would not know where, what a haunt from Australia, like what sort of legends they're pulling from or what stories they're trying to tell and, and their demographics and all that kind of stuff and what, what decisions and why they make the decisions they do. And so we get to hear about that today. And I'm very excited to actually get to host. This is actually my first one doing in person. I've done others with the Global Scare Network elsewhere, but I was always through Zoom. But this is the first one that I've gotten to do in person. So kind of nervous, but I'm excited to do it at the same time. So how is the Ohio Haunters Association going on? I, I understand you've got an event coming up at Carnage Haunted House in a few weeks. Absolutely. Carnage, uh, August 14th, we're having a meeting at the Carnage Haunted House. We will have food. Uh, I've, I've heard rumors that it might be pulled pork. We're going to have... Uh, <laughs> Maybe a, not the pig here, I no, hope. No, 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 no. <laughs> once, once you name them, you can't eat them. <laughs> so, well, his name is Crispy Bacon, isn't uh, it? Not Lulu. <laughs> oh, Lulu. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> well, we'll we'll have some food. We'll have a speaker speaking on uh, tra- basically like a train the trainers, like an actor train speaker. Sure. That's what we like to do at the meetings. Is kind have a of speaker. what I do. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> might might have talked to somebody a little bit closer. But <laughs> yeah, I understand. Damn geography. <laughs> right, and then uh, then we get to do a walkthrough tour of the haunt, and it's an opportunity for people to network. Uh, opportunity to just hang out, hear a speaker, see a haunt, uh, and eat some food. And, you know, you do not have to be from Ohio to attend. There's no membership requirement. You can just show up on August 14th if you'd like to. Okay, I was going to ask you if you had to be a member of the OHA in order to attend. Nope, there's no requirement. We just, I mean, honestly, if you love haunting and you love and you're involved in the industry in any way, we'd love for you to attend the meeting and, and be there and contribute and have fun. Excellent. So for people wanting more information, if you do live in Ohio or adjacent and you might want to join the Ohio Haunters Association, they got great hats and great pins and T-shirts, um, how can people get more information and, and learn more about the upcoming meetings that you have and stuff, all things Ohio Haunters Association? Pretty much everything is on the Facebook group, Ohio Haunters Association on Facebook. Just find the group, uh, request to join, and uh, you can see I, I post on there regularly, and uh, other people are posting. You know, Big Scary Show will make posts on there. We can spam keep it up. a lot, don't we? Because honestly, <laughs> it, I mean, you know, it is because of the Big Scary Show that I got involved with the Ohio Haunters Association myself. Do tell. Well, it was 2018. 2018, I was listening to the Big Scary Show, and an ad came on regarding the Ohio Haunters Association. So I found the Facebook group, joined up. 
and now I'm president. <laughs> so it's all because of you. So yes, I, another success story here on the Big Scary Show. Well, you can become president too, just by listening. That is true, and, and I do. I do. I, it is a tremendous thanks to you, and and you know making making me aware so uh, about it. And now I hopefully we'll get to take this. Uh, association and we hope to do great things we're planning some great things for the coming season uh, trying to be supportive to haunters and also trying to engage home haunters more uh, and who knows what else may come down the line uh, we're, we're looking at a bunch of other things so you know join the Ohio Haunters Association Facebook group to stay stay uh, stay up to date on everything excellent so Maximus Christian Brian always a pleasure to have you here my friend the Ohio Haunters Association is on Facebook. If you're on Facebook, go look them up. Go join. Go attend their meetings. And they've got an awful lot of cool stuff. And the best part, you don't have to be from Ohio to join. But once again, folks, we're not in Ohio. We're in Kentucky, Lexington, at the Haunters Against Hate, the event. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we are out. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home, haunt, or crypt. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Hello, everybody. This is Drew Badger. This is the Deadline News for episode 267. And we're going to kick things off with some news from the Valley Fright Nights in Woodland Hills, California. Valley Fright Nights is LA's first ever summer horror event. There will be three fully immersive walkthrough scare mazes, there will be multiple scare zones, food, fun, and more. The event will be held every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night from July 21st until August 28th. Get more information at valleyfrightnights.com. We have some convention news with this update from Days of the Dead coming to Indianapolis. It is with great excitement that we announce actor, artist, and sandbagger Rick Straczynski, hope I pronounced that correct, to the lineup of Days of the Dead Indianapolis happening July 22nd through the 24th at the Indianapolis Marriott East. Rick Straczynski has many faces in our horror community. He's known for being the mastermind, creator, and owner of 13X Studios. And his upcoming acting career has taken off with his new role as Selfie Guy in the upcoming horror film Terrifier 2, where he is seen wearing his movies shirt. His public eye appearance has turned many, including the WSOP gig. He will be railing autographs all weekend. Get tickets and more information at daysofthedead.com. We have this update to Oklahoma City's Horror Con coming to Oklahoma City. Naomi Grossman is coming to Oklahoma City's Horror Con. Naomi is an American actress, writer, and producer best known for the roles she played in American Horror Story Asylum, Freak Show, Apocalypse, and American Horror Stories. Naomi was the first actor or actress to play the same role in two different seasons of the show. Not only is she extremely talented, she's extremely nice, I can vouch for that, 
and we're so excited that she's coming to Oklahoma City's Horror Convention. This year is going to be amazing. Happening Saturday, August 6th and Sunday, August 7th at the Remington Park Casino, one Remington place in Oklahoma City. For tickets, visit horrorconokc.com. We have some toy news from NECA via bloodydisgusting.com. Edward Van Sloan, Peter Cushing, Anthony Hopkins, Hugh Jackman, Splinter, huh? Yes, the latest actor to play the role of Abraham Van Helsing is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Turtles character Splinter, who has become the legendary vampire slayer for NECA's ongoing toy line that mashes together the worlds of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the Universal Monsters. NECA has revealed the upcoming action figure, which comes complete with interchangeable heads, swappable hands, crossbow, arrows, quiver, knife, and stakes. The figure will come in collector-friendly window box packaging with opening flap. Estimated shipping dates for this one is November. The mashup toy line from NECA thus far includes Raphael as Frankenstein, Leonardo as Igor, Michelangelo as the Mummy, and April O'Neil as the Bride of Frankenstein. Hmm. We have some news from the Fright Nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds in West Palm Beach, Florida. Ever wanted to be part of a team that builds haunted houses? We're looking for a construction worker. This is a full-time seasonal position, Monday through Friday from 8 to 5, starting August through November. Pay is depending on skill level. This is a unique and fun experience building haunted houses. Please contact Alex Rodriguez, alex at southfloridafair.com for more information. We have some more hiring news, this from the Evidence of Evil Haunted Attraction in Middlefield, Connecticut. Looking to scare for a good cause? Maybe you don't want to scare or want to work behind the scenes. We want to hear from you. Visit our website, evidenceofevil.net, or email us at talent at evidenceofevil.net, and let's talk. We have this news from Adventureland Theme Park in Altoona, Iowa. Adventureland introduces the big new thing this Halloween, the Phantom Fall Fest. With two totally different Halloween experiences based on the time of day, come early for fun-sized thrills like trick-or-treating, family-sized rides, and special food and drinks. Then at 6 p.m., the fear kicks in gear. Phantom Fall Fest takes screams to the extreme with four separate haunted houses and scare zones. Creepy characters create hair-raising haunts as they prowl the park after dark. If you're up for full-on frights, then Phantom Fall Fest is your scream come true. Join the Halloween fun each Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in October at the all-new Phantom Fall Fest at Adventureland. Get more information at AdventurelandResort.com. And finally, we have this news from the Nickerson Sneed House Museum in Glade Spring, Virginia. After much deliberation, hard work, and research, we have decided that the Nickerson Sneed House will no longer operate the annual Haunted Mansion. Although it may come back later down the road in a much smaller scale, it will not be in operation in any form this year. Rest assured, we are still doing the events and private investigations, so for all our followers who wish to investigate, that is still an option. Just send us a message and we'll schedule it. The Nickerson Sneed House will now operate as a bed of breakfast, a bed and breakfast. Of course, it will operate as a haunted bed and breakfast. That's a relief. 
We wish to thank everyone who has come to visit us over the years during the Haunted Mansion season, and we hope to see you at one of our many events, or perhaps see you as a guest at the NSHB&B. Be sure to keep following us on all the socials as we will soon post photos of our amazing rooms available at the Nickerson Sneed House B&B. We plan to have it open and operating by September. We'll post a specific date when confirmed. We will, of course, provide breakfast, pastries, desserts, handmade local soaps, tea and coffee, and many more accommodations during each guest's stay. We will also keep everyone posted as to what we have listed on Airbnb, Booking.com, and Hotels.com. And when we do... Please feel free to schedule your stay with us. Get more information at thenickersonsneedhouse.com. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Drew Badger hey, here. Badger. What? Badger. Hold, hold hey. on. Hold Badger. on one second Badger. here. Hey. Yeah, hey, 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 it's Tater hey. again. What's up, man? Badger, I, I hate to. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I apologize for interrupting. Uh, but I, I want to talk to you about this new product. Yes. So it's going to this be is a new product from Froggy's Fog. It's yeah. Going to revolutionize the industry. Revolutionize. Put us in new industries. It's going to be. Uh, Hold, hold on a minute, Badger. You see that? Yes. Oh, my God. All right. I'm going to go fix this. Yes. I'll be right back. I, we'll, we'll, right. We'll, we'll handle this later. All right. We'll handle this later. All right. I'm going to come back. And now they're gone. All right. Thanks. We'll, we'll be back, ladies and gentlemen. We're having a good time here at Haunters Against Hate here in Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, eventually we'll get uh, Tater to tell us what's going on. But uh, for right now, Drew Badger, we're out. <laughs> And ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've been listening to the previous show because it is time to see if we have a winner for the July gruesome giveaway sponsored by our very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. You know, it's only three months to October, so you better start heading over to Screamline Studios and picking out and gathering all your supplies now because you don't want to wait until the last second. Or you could be somebody who wins a fantastic prize courtesy of them on our very show, as we hopefully will do in the next couple of moments. We asked a question on the last show. We got some responses. We randomly selected this person, and I believe we have them on the line. Random caller, what is your name? Where are you from? My name is Courtney Myers. I'm from Grim Trails Haunted Attraction in Louisville, Kentucky. Grim Trails Haunted Attraction, we have had you on the show sometime several years back, is that correct? Yes, it is. Oh, I remember that. We had a roundtable discussion on some unusual haunts, and yours was fairy tale themed, if I recall. Yes, sir. Awesome. So, Courtney, I guess I don't have to ask you what you do in the industry if you work at Grim Trails there, but um, I do need to ask you a couple of questions before we find out if you are the winner. Question number one. Have we contacted you in any way, shape, or form other than to tell you when to call in? No, sir. All right. Question number two. Have you tried to persuade us to select your entry via any means necessary? No, sir. There was a pause there. Uh-oh. Oh, that's okay. Well, Courtney Myers of Louisville, Kentucky, let's see if you are indeed the winner. I believe the question was... On the last show, we talked about Midsummer Scream in Long Beach, California, coming up at the end of July. 
they will be having a panel discussion where someone will be talking about the Halloween Horror Nights event in Hollywood, California. What is the name of that person that will be talking about and revealing all, some, all of the really cool stuff happening at Halloween Horror Nights in Hollywood, California? That is John Murdy from Hollywood Horror Nights, their creative director. Wow, you know your stuff, and that's absolutely correct. It is indeed John Murdy. He is a great guy, and he always has a very entertaining and very informative presentation. We look forward to finding out what's going on with Halloween Horror Nights. But the more important thing to note here is that Courtney Myers is indeed our gruesome giveaway winner for the month of July. Yay! <laughs> All right, Courtney, uh, stay on the line so we can get some shipping information from you. And again, I guess I don't need to ask you this, but you work at Grim Trails in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, how, how are you guys doing? What's going on for this year? When's your opening night? And give it a plug. So, we are actually expanding from what used to be a very cramped six acres to 26 acres, where we used to have about... 12 scenes stacked on top of each other. We've got a jam-packed schedule to build 14 in this year, um, and we're opening for more nights than we ever have, starting on the 23rd all the way of September all the way through the end of October. All of our details are on GrimTrails.com or all over Instagram, Facebook, and we are looking to start a TikTok this year as well. That is tremendous. Congratulations on the expansion. Look forward to hearing some good things. I remember going through Grim Trails a few years ago on one of the MHC tours. It was, it was pretty fun and very unique to go through. And I and I wish you a very successful season. Hopefully, your fantastic prize from Screamline Studios will be coming in handy at Grim Trails this year. So once again, folks, Courtney Myers of Louisville, Kentucky, is the winner of the July Gruesome Giveaway. If you are not the winner, and you obviously aren't, if you're not Courtney Myers, you can try again in August and every month of the year because we give away these great prizes from Screenline 12 times a year here on The Big Scary Show. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live in Lexington, Kentucky at the Haunters Against Hate, the event, and we're having a good time. We're talking to some haunt owners and some vendors and some celebrities. we got one of the cooler haunt owners and certainly one of the beefcakiest ones out here. It's Jeremy from Wicked World Scaregrounds. Oh my God, those guns are got to be like 30 inches around, but uh, how you doing, man? 15 inches, yeah, they're around there. Yeah, they're, they're, uh, you, you are a very buff dude, man. I, I just I know. like to eat a lot of food, man. That's what it is. And instead of getting to up to 600 pounds, I figured I should start working out. I so. like eating a lot of food, too, but I don't look like this. I look like, unfortunately. <laughs> you, you probably eat tastier food than I do. <laughs> that, that, that could be. You can only eat so much brown rice, broccoli, and oh, chicken, right? Tell me about it, brother. Tell me about it. <laughs> I need to buy stock in those. <laughs> so tell me, last night, you guys at Haunters Against Hate, you opened up to the general public, Wicked yes, World, and uh, you were hoping to get at least 100 people showing up, but... Uh, I understand you did a little bit more, and you had a good time, and uh, you might be doing it again. Buddy, let me tell you, we were pleasantly surprised. I was uh, I was really leery doing off-season events. Dean and I, have we've talked about it, we've been back and forth, but I'm like, man, I don't know. I need at least so many people in this door because I have to pay my kids to come out. But uh, we thought, well, you know, Paul reached out to us about possibly doing the, the party for the Haunters Against Hate, and we said, yeah, absolutely, we'd love to. And we thought, well, maybe we can piggyback off that. 
do a special event open to the public and just see how it goes. And we'll just kind of use that as a barometer from and here on out. We've never done one before. We've never done one this far in the offseason, so we said, you know, hey, we'll just give it a shot and see what happens. So we went out there, and I needed at least 100 people to come in the gate just to make sure my expenses were, were covered, my kids were covered, and we ended up getting about 400 people out last Congratulations. night. Congratulations. And, dude, it, we were floored and we were excited. Everyone had a blast. Uh, everyone was telling me how much fun they had, how awesome the characters were, how spot on they were, and, and they just loved it. And they're so glad we're doing off-season events. And so, this, was, this wasn't a standard Wicked World night. This was a special right, night. Right, We did a special event called Nightmares of Hollywood where we did all movie characters, all your favorite from all the big films and everything. No names and, uh, because of copyright. Right. I don't even know who you're talking about. But anyway, okay. we, <laughs> but people came in, and they were just floored. They absolutely loved it. So we said, hey, this is a great success. We did it. It worked. We're definitely going to do it again next year with Haunters Against Hate, and we might might even do two special events. Ooh. So we're going to see how that goes. But, yeah, we were pleasantly surprised. Now, it's been many years since I've been through Wicked World mm-hmm. Scaregrounds. I mean, the MHC tour, I don't even remember what year. <laughs> Maybe 2014 or 15. Yeah, it was a way Somewhere in that in that area so i'm assuming some things have changed in the last few years so what can people expect if they come in in the 2022 season buy a ticket okay well a couple new things we've got now we uh we completely redid our trail uh, about two or three years ago so now it went from the dark carnival that we had the darkwood carnival to now it's valley of the dead so you're going to meet Earl. You're going to go into his gas station in the middle of nowhere in the woods. Was Earl walking around earlier? You did see Earl I walking around. Oh, yep, that's him. He's horrible. And uh, he had a little bit of a, a, a engine trouble, engine accident when he was working on a car. So he's a little charred on one side. But he's still got one good side left. <laughs> so you, you'll, you'll come upon Earl's gas station in the middle of the woods. And Earl takes you to the other side. And you may walk in that veil between the living and the dead. And you may not make it out. And you may see some things that you wouldn't normally see. <laughs> but people love it, and it's good. We had a lot of fun redoing that trail a couple years ago, and it was the big wow factor. People came in, and they were just floored and loved it. So that worked out great. This year, we did uh, we completely gutted um, our third attraction in the back, the one that we run our zombie laser tag through, uh, Hunted. We completely gutted it, reworked it from the ground up, put in a nice new level floor and everything. Um and I'm pouring every ounce of energy I got into this thing because I needed to be top-notch for all the people coming in this season. The past two years have been great. Attendance has been great. People want to get out and, and just go and experience stuff again and get back to living a normal life. And it showed. The attendance was great. Everyone we talked to has had great seasons the past two years. So life's getting back to normal, brother. We hope so. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody I've talked to has had great seasons during mm-hmm. covid and whatever people just like you said they're dying uh to get out and exactly. see things so exactly. very congratulations on having a great Thank season you. last year Appreciate we're that. looking forward to some good things happening this year mm-hmm. for people wanting more information about wicked world scaregrounds outside of lexington technically nicholasville but in <laughs> lexington how can they get more information? When is opening night? And uh, where are all the websites and social medias? I'd say what, you can always find us on Facebook. Look up Wicked World Scaregrounds. We've also got our Instagram page. Or you can go to www.2scary.com. That's the number 2, 2scary.com. And you'll find all your information on there. Ticket prices, dates, times, special events. We got it all, brother. When's opening night? Opening night should be... Uh, I believe September 24th this year. Should be a Friday. All right. We'll be rocking and rolling. We'll be looking for hearing some good things from Wicked World Scaregrounds out here in the Lexington, Kentucky area. Jeremy, I wish you a great, successful 2022 season. And uh, congratulations again for last night. And uh, we'll just have to 
plan a trip up here at some point and come check you out. I know we'll there's another convention in October up in yep. this area. We might have to come and see you. That. We'll be running a special event right after the season, and then we might even do one in December. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Earl in a Santa hat. God, that's horrifying. <laughs> it, he looked good, though. Uh, <laughs> just, just don't put little jingle bells on him because that, that, at least then you'd know he's coming. It makes the elves go crazy. It really does. <laughs> anyway, folks, we're out here at the Haunters Against Hate, the event, having a grand old time here. I want to thank Jeremy from Wicked World here and uh, everybody else so far that's been talking to us. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we are out. Gentlemen, this is the Round Table of Terror, and we are proudly sponsored by HauntPay. All your time ticketing needs should be solved by HauntPay. If you've been considering it, if you've been a customer for years, if you want to know what's time ticketing, check out HauntPay.com. Let Alex and his fine staff set you up for free and see what HauntPay can do for you. Well, folks, last week, you know, we talked about actor training and we were under a little bit of a time constraint and we wanted to get into a couple of things, namely character development and improv and some other things that make your actors so very, very scary and important in your haunted attraction. And unfortunately, we just didn't have time to do it. So consider this a part two of actor training. We're going to continue a little bit and we've asked our guests from last week to come back. Uh, so far, two of them have joined us. We don't know if the third will. We'll find out sometime in the next oh, 45 minutes to an hour or so whether or not they come back. But let's reintroduce our guest from last week. First of all, down in uh, Boynton Beach, Florida, the uh, person responsible for training actors at Fright Nights, Jonathan Seth, is with us. Jonathan, are you there? Yes, I am. And I'm happy to be back here. This is exciting. Yes, welcome back, and uh, I'm sure it is just as dry and parched and not hot and humid down there as it was last week. No, but, no, uh, it is. It's, <laughs> no, absolutely. Sorry, I was going to say a word, but the word, whatever the word was, it melted. That, that, that's okay. We'll keep it PG as well. And up in Arnett, Oklahoma, we have Ted Dennison, who has been working with Nightmare in the Country in Woodward, Oklahoma, for the past few years. Ted, are you with us, sir? Yes, sir. I'm here. It is great to have you back. And of course, our regular host, who one who trained actors up at Trails to Terror in Rhode Island. We have Storm. Uh, greetings from Rhode Island. Where it's actually tempered. It's actually quite nice. So everybody else can melt. <laughs> I got a pool down I can't in, use, though. Down in Cincinnati, not too far from Lexington, where I was this past weekend, we have Meat Hook Jim. And you know what? I've got to agree with Storm. It's been very temperate uh, here in Cincinnati as well. Weekend was beautiful. It got, you know, between 78 and 80 degrees. Oh, my gosh, it was wonderful. How much rain? Because it rained in Lexington the whole freaking weekend. No rain. Ah, oh, you bastard. 
<laughs> anyway, down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, we have the old crone, a.k.a. Jonna. How are you? I think I'm about changing my name to Swamp Hag because it's 104 <laughs> degrees here in Fayetteville, Arkansas right now. Yeah, but you're getting ready to head to the great state of Texas, where I'm sure it's not that hot at all, right? Oh, I'm sure. But 120 there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it might be a dry heat. We'll see. My name is Drew Badger in Charlotte. Was in Lexington all weekend at the Haunters Against Hate, the event. I'm sure you've been listening and enjoying those interviews so far. But let's take a break from Haunters Against Hate and talk about actor training again. Uh, where we left off, I don't even remember where we left off, but we wanted to get into some things that you can do with your actors. You know, one of the more important things that um, a lot of actors need and don't have uh, is, a, is a backstory. Because how many times as an actor have you heard the phrase, what are you supposed to be? Raise your hand, folks. I'm pretty sure 95% of our haunt actors have probably heard that no less than 37 times a night. And, you know, sometimes you can give them an answer if you have a backstory or if you're a particular character. Most of the time you just scream and shuffle and push them off or ignore them totally like I used to do because two of my characters are silent characters. But um, <laughs> what do you guys do when it comes to uh, creating backstories? Jonathan, I know you were with Enigma Haunt for a number of years. I know you're with Fright Nights now. Were you responsible for creating characters at your haunt or working with your characters and enhancing their development? Or, or how, what did you guys do? Well, uh, let's see. To talk about for Enigma Haunt, uh, we, we had the design team. And, of course, the design team uh, you know, chose... And I was part of the design team uh, after a while. And we, we chose, you know, themes for the haunt and then uh, the rooms. And we designed the rooms, uh, you know, for, you know, particular types of characters. Although it was a little bit loose so that you could have, a, you know, a couple of different types of characters there. Uh, and then what we did was mostly I worked with a lot of the actors to be able to, you know, I, to give them a process, to be able to create characters to fit the rooms in the areas where they were. So as opposed to, writing characters for each room we knew what the rooms needed to be what the what the uh, characters needed to do and how the actors needed to get the scares in those rooms and then we you know sort of allowed the actors to give us what we wanted from them so uh, you know that, that it was a very broad question so this is a very broad answer if you wanted to uh, to drill down into anything specifically no, I mean, we're just we're trying to give general overviews. Yeah. So many haunts are different. Every every haunt is different. So, I mean, you know, what works for your guys may not work for the other guys, et cetera. Absolutely. But, you know, so you're saying you kind of designed your rooms around your characters. Well, when we designed a room, when we when you design an area, uh, when you when you have a theme, like so let's say we have a vampire theme. And so you're going to have different types of vampires in each of the rooms. And so you'll have the rooms that will work in different manners. And then. You po we populated them, of course, you know, with the actors and the actors, you know, on uh, you know, would then bring the rooms to life. And that would be creating the characters in to fit uh, the areas in the rooms that they were in. You know, of course, some if they were if they had sort of characters that they were already working with, we'd see whether or not those characters could work in those rooms. We didn't design it around the actors. We designed the rooms almost like we were putting together a movie. Every scene was a like a, a like a slice uh, um, a slice of life a scene in a movie and of course it's the actor's job to bring that to life 
and that's how we kind of approached it. Okay, that makes that makes perfect sense. You know, you can't just have somebody going around going blah 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 as a vampire because <laughs> you know that's what you expect. But um, so you said you you populated it. Did you did you teach different actors different styles for different parts of of rooms like that? Just using the vampire well, example, right? Yeah, using, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the vampire as an example. Uh, what we would do is, uh, you know, I would, you know, there's a lot of things that need to be taught, you know, before they even get to character. So I would start off by teaching the basics. I mean, we're talking about movement, how to get scares, moving in and out, uh, you, know, you know, how to, you know, when you're broadsiding a group, you know, planting the foot to be able to lunge. I mean, all the basic things to teach actors from zero to have the basic ideas of how to scare. And then on top of that, then we start working with the body and the voice and how you can create, uh, you know, so we're giving them options. And then uh, following that, then we talk, we, you know, we, we discuss character and we have, uh, and we work with them on how they can create a character because, you know, I could create every single character and give everybody lines, but, you know, that's one brain and that's a lot of time. Now, if I have, you know, uh, you know, a hundred actors, I have, you know, at least 80 brains there to work with. They might be coming up with different stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know that I shouldn't be throwing that. I'm not really throwing. That's an overestimate. Yeah, that seems I'm high. Joking. I'm, I'm joking. I love <laughs> I love my actors because when you give them the tools uh, to come up with stuff, sometimes they can come up with some amazing things. And so that's what I want to do. I want to give the uh, the actors the ability. I want to open them up to new possibilities and give them the ability to create. And then when they get in the area it's, it's itself, I, you know, of course, I'm there to help them create. But hopefully, you know, if, if they become a veteran, if they've been doing this for a little while, Eventually, I can just say, well, you're, you know, here, this is the area that you're going to be in. And then they'll kind of jump from there and I'll come in and check just to see, you know, what they're doing. But if you give an act, if you give scare actors the basics, train them in the basics and train them and give them options uh, through exercises, then I think that they can give you magic. How, how scripted is, are the actors at Fright Nights? Are they supposed to follow a particular script? Do you give them a complete free reign? Do you give them half and half? How does that, well, how does that work Fright, with yours? Like I said, Fright Nights is, is different. And I'm just uh, starting there. I was just recently adopted. Uh, but at Enigma Hunt, we did not give scripts whatsoever. Uh, we would work with them. I mean, if somebody needed a line or something or, or needed something to be able to say, you know, I could help out with that. But it really was more of the point of create of teaching them to have connections and relationships with the area so that they knew who that character was in that room at that time. And once you have a connection between the character in the room and the guests, then all of a sudden you have, the, you have things to say because you're not just coming up with a line. You're not just coming up with something to say. You have purpose in the room. And so instead of giving them lines to say, I help them find purpose and then it goes from there and they come up with uh, amazing stuff. And I'm there to help, of course, you know, uh, the, the whole management team was there to help if needed, of course. How about you, Ted? What do you guys do as far as backstory or character development? Do you guys just say you're on your own or do you have scripts or particular lines that they must say or need to at least work off of? We've tried that uh, scripted in different scenes and timing and stuff like that. And it works sometimes when you have a more theatrical-based actor that works those cues and knows their timing and stuff like that. So definitely going to have to be somebody that's seasoned in that. Um, a lot of us 
just go by improv because, you know, we start way late in the season as far as hiring and training. Um, we, we really haven't done much yet as far as that, but uh, uh, some design work as to what we're changing in the haunt this year. So as far as like character stuff, our bosses, they sit down and they decide, you know, what they want to work in each room. And then uh, through auditions, you know, they have everybody do their little audition. And from there, they decide, you know, if we, we might fit here, you might fit there. You might be able to play that blah, 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 zombie or vampire in that case. Uh, but like he said, you know, you there's a lot of basic stuff that we have to go through first before we can even get to building that character just to even get them to break down, to stop moving like themselves. You know, we have to get into their brain to be able to say, Hey, uh, you know, if you're a vampire, you're probably not going to move like you're going to move in your, uh, you know, with a pulse and, and as a normal human, you have to get inside that brain and make them start to think, you know, as an other world character, uh, which it's really hard to do when you only got two months to do. So it's kind of one of those, here it is. And, and if we have to feed you lines and we'll feed you lines and, and we'll go from there with it, really. It's tough when, you, you know, like I said, last time we talked, you guys have all these abilities and actors there at, at your dispense. And, man, I might be lucky to have 40 people show up to play, you know. So it's just kind of let's get it and go and get some scares out of the year with it. Have you ever had a case where you thought somebody was going to be perfect in a role and it turned out they were not and had to go somewhere else or somebody that you were like, uh, this guy's probably just going to be a drop panel person. And they turned out to be so good. You had to give them something much more prominent. Oh yeah. I've had that happen with a couple of different characters. I walk in and be like, okay, you're, this is your main spot. This is, you're the main character. This is the storyline. This is what's going on. And when you go through to, to check on everybody and see what's going on. And then you're standing there in the corner and you're like, what, what's going on? What, what happened to you? This is a completely different person than you were 15 <laughs> minutes ago when we were starting this thing. And you had to figure out, yeah, well, we're going to have to move you and you and you here. So it's just a constant revolving door. I feel like honestly. Yeah, I know that's, that's yeah. one of the biggest issues I see is that well, you, you, you think something's going to work in some place and sometimes they surprise you and sometimes they, uh, Sometimes they really surprise you when you got to move right. places. Well, right. I, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. You to, sometimes you even have to watch those guys. You're like, oh, wait, don't stand on the barrel. It's not bolted to the floor. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's bad. Yeah. Uh, build, building on that, though, I got to say that, uh, you know, we had a, you know, we, we did have a couple more uh, actors than, uh, than, than Monster Ted there. Uh, like, you know, like, like you said, so one of the things that I found was invaluable was having being part of a team. So I'm the actor trainer, but I was working sort of side by side with the actor coordinator. And it would, and he, uh, in this case, a fantastic manager named, by the name of David Grecius, uh, could really read the people. And he was to be the one to put them in places. So I could focus on training and working with them. And then we would discuss, and then he would, you know, uh, sort of play with the numbers each night to see who would be going in each uh, place. So I think that it's invaluable to have uh, sort of that type of team uh, working together to be able to get your actors not only to what you want them to do, but in the right places. So yeah. you rotated actors in different spots per night. Nobody was in one area all season. I'm not going to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I mean, no. we found some people found places and they loved it. And then, you know, but there was a lot of, 
you know, there were, there were times when we would, we would have different people, you know, there. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, if there was, there were some people that were there every single night and if they were there every single night and they had a spot that they were perfect in and, and everything worked out fine, then that was fantastic. But, you know, sometimes we had a lot of uh, new people and it, it, we, we also had some people, you know, here, this night people are here, this night people are sick, this night we have, uh, you know, more people, fewer people. And that's why when having uh, a coordinator as well is you know, it was a lot easier on me because I could just work on going to the room and making sure. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious. That's, you know, he, he did a fantastic job by, take, by taking whatever we had to work with that night and setting them up. And then I would just make, you know, I would go through uh, and they all have a base at this point because they all went through the actor training that we uh, provided. And then I'd work with them on, you know, what's new, what's different about this room, what type of character you're creating in this room, in this area. And, uh, you know, so... It wasn't every night everybody was different, but there were a lot of nights when a lot of people were different. And sometimes we needed to take a, one of our veteran actors that could do, you know, that been there, that, could, that we knew could do everything and put them in a different place because we needed somebody that could really cover that area. Oh, sure. Uh, I remember. I, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that's very true. Whenever you've got good veteran actors <clears throat> that you know, <clears throat> you know what they can do, then those are nice to put in in pivotal areas or pivotal roles and then the new people you know just put them more on jump scares and things like that until you learn what they do um then you can build on what they're you know what they're doing on their own and and come up with some really great characters that way i was gonna say jonna and probably jim to a lesser extent you know when when i worked at theme parks and i know jim did as well you know (laughs) we had a costumer that was like you know you're a size this, so you're going to wear this costume, and this costume tends to go in this place. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what happens when you have an actor that you have fit a costume to and put it in that area, and they just don't work out in that area, and you don't have anybody else that'll do that costume? I mean, do you guys bring your own costumes for your actor, or do you work and make costumes for your people? I know, Johnny, you're kind of a specialized haunt, so I don't know if you have, you know, one-size-fits-all things for costuming or how do you manage that because i i know a couple of times at scarowinds where we'd have a character that was you know six foot five 300 (laughs) pounds and they they made a custom suit and custom appenditures and things like that and he'd go out and i remember you know the guy completely bombed in what he was doing in fact he wound up quitting like after a couple of weeks and then they were scrambling trying to find somebody else who could do that role and they got somebody who was you know, not that big and they had to modify the, the, the suit and they had to modify the props that were attached to his arms and his back and stuff to make it work. It was, it was a little awkward for a while. So well, yeah, how that do you is, guys handle that? That is definitely an advantage to having a very themed haunt um, because a lot of the costumes are very generic, you know, because it's a Scottish medieval um, theme. So um, I have, you know, certain characters that are, and they're veteran actors. um, And so they have very specific costumes to them, but then others, we have generic costumes. So if they're not working in one place, we can move them to somewhere else and and the costuming is not going to affect anything. Distressed kilts for everybody. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'd like to chime in on this subject and I just wanted to say, you know, as uh, most of you know, I, I did four years at the Denton Schoolhouse after I did a couple of years at uh, K-12 
Kings Island. Uh. Now at Kings Island, I convinced the makeup guy to put on, I had an eyeless prosthetic and it worked so well <laughs> uh, for what I was doing. I was, we had one, like one of those elevators and I was the eyeless doctor and I've got a knife in my hand and I'm swinging over everybody and, you know, they're flipping out, right? Because I can't see. And I end up stabbing the nurse that's in the elevator with me. I love purpose. <laughs> What's that? Oops. A, a part of the show or accident? Yeah, was yeah you stabbed yeah. her on purpose? <laughs> or? Go no. many different ways. That How many cool. nurses did you go through? <laughs> you need to clarify this. <laughs> Several. Actually, um, there were about four different girls that worked that season. Um, but and the fifth one said, no Rupert, way. <laughs> Rupert was out of the hospital at that time. <laughs> but some of it was really fun, you know, and there was, I, I, I'm sorry, I hate to be stereotypical and please forgive me, but there was a, a group of African-American ladies that came through. And as soon as I came out, they didn't want to be in the elevator anymore. No way, <laughs> shape or form. They were fighting to get past me to get through that door. Oh, my God. I've never been beat up by two women in my life. <laughs> That's hilarious. Oh, so God. Sorry. <laughs> no problem, man. I do want to remind everybody you are listening to the Roundtable of Terror here on the Big Scary Show. We are talking part two, actor training, more with character development, some improv stuff with our guests. Ted Dennison, Jonathan Seth, our usual co-host. We're going to take a very short break, and we'll be right back. Are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction? HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the Roundtable of Terror. We're talking actor training part two. This is the time of year to get your actors recruited, get them trained, get them started working on what their characters are going to be and whether or not they're going to be just sitting behind a drop panel or whether they're going to be a queue line person and talking with, you know, extensive customer interaction. You know, our guest, Jonathan, Seth, Ted Dennison, our usual co-host, might be answering a question that you have. So... You know, let's talk a little bit about some of the improv stuff, guys. You know, uh, Jonathan, I know you've got a theatrical background. How do you do you teach improv? I know it's, you know, it's it sounds easy. Let's just uh, let's teach somebody to be a chicken or let's teach somebody to be a chainsaw welding clown. You know, it doesn't sound that difficult, but it, it actually can be. Well, you, you know, uh, I, <laughs> OK. So here is where I am on that. I think that a lot of times that we confuse 
uh, improv, improv, which is, you know, with a capital I, uh, with what we actually do, which is more of character improvisation, which is lowercase i. When you think of improv, just generally, you think of, you know, uh, for example, the one of the standard games is called freeze tag. And you throw two people on the stage and you give them, you know, give them a scene and they start a scene and somebody says freeze. And then, then one person comes in, they tag the other person out and they start a new scene. And so this is improv. This is, uh, a, you know, whenever you have actors that are starting from a blank slate and their job is to create a character and create a scene and bring the funny, you know, that's improv. And that's a different discipline from what we do. So Dining do... room of an olive garden. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I really feel like that is a, it's its own separate performance discipline. I don't really... So I, I don't do those types of exercises. I've seen that done at haunts left and right, but I don't do those exercises because that's not really what we do. And, uh, an actor, I've never told an actor, look, when the guests come in, ask them for an occupation. You know, uh, and, or you know, if the guests come in and they say, hey, you're just a guy in a mask, I never say, and you're supposed to say, yes, and. No, 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 uh, what we're doing is we've already created the scene, we've created the world, and we're creating the characters and the characters can respond well, hopefully, first of all, the characters will engage the guests before the guests, you know, start, uh, you know, start trying to change the scene on them. But we're creating the scene and creating the guests. So I want the, the actors to create those characters and let those characters uh, speak and react, in, you know, in their form. And that's that's improvisation, small I improvisation. So that's what uh, I do. Like I was saying before, if you teach them the basics and you give them options and you work with them, they can develop a character based on the room, the connections and relationships. Who are the guests? Who is this? Who are, what is this room? What am I in this room? Then you have a better uh, reaction, I think. And same thing with uh, just a quick, you know, I, I know that a lot of people probably don't, uh, you know, might not agree with me. But then again, you know, this is we're looking for different opinions, different ideas, because that's how we learn. I don't use those scene work. I don't use scene work like that in my training at all. I never put two actors on stage and say, here, make a scene. Because to me, that sets up, first of all, that set, that's, you know, even if you have, if you have 30 actors, you know, and we have, you know, often I have a lot more than that, but if you have 30 actors and you have a, actors doing a scene for one or two minutes, you know, that's a lot of actors are just sitting around doing nothing at the time. And I find that uh, when people are on that stage, you know, you'll find the people that are on that stage and they love doing it and they love, they love that and they're going to make everybody laugh. And they're going to do the stuff that they normally do. So I don't even see them learning. And then you have people that otherwise, you know, might be able to create great characters and live through a character, but they're not so keen on, you know, suddenly creating a character and bringing the funny right away. So I would rather work with them on, uh, you know, on bringing their characters to life than yeah. doing improv with a capital I. Makes sense. Yeah, you know, I went to. Oh, Jonah, oh, sorry, go ahead. Ted, go ahead. No, let's hear. Let's hear what Ted says. That wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was the question again? <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> do you teach improv, or 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 how do you get your how do you get your actors ready for their characters? Well, we try to honestly break them, like I said earlier, break them down out of using their human brain. And into more of a monster, more of a creepy, more of a serial killer style mentality. So we ask them to, you know, start. And like you just said, though, you don't like to do that with the scene. But we do start with a scene and give them 
so long in that scene and then you know we'll either use a bell or something like that and we'll we'll pull something from that scene like say we had two guys on and one guy is chasing a guy with a chainsaw and the, the scene stops now you're chasing him with a rubber chicken what do you do from here you know stuff like that just so they understand that the scene can change in an instant not just from them but from that that customer that has just come in and said oh look it's a Fortnite character or something like that to be able like you just said there to bring the funny you know the first and foremost you know we want to be able for that actor to just make sure that they're able to take that customer out of their comfort zone and whatever that small change might be for them in their mindset if it's just walking up and sniffing that person to get them out of that comfort zone just you know small things like that in their mindset and the way they move and things like that other than you know improv like you said with a capital i to change everything around so i do agree with a lot of what you just had to say there though jonathan yeah i i, I agree and everybody does things differently but like you just said, uh, we do a lot of work with voice and body and movement to give them to help them start that. So, I mean, complete agreement on getting them out of there every day. Hi, this is me. I work at a convenience store, you know, type bodies. I mean, nothing wrong with working at a convenience store, but I'm just saying that's not what you want in a haunt. You right. want you want uh, those uh, those those odd, different off-center bodies that trigger the amygdala that's, that makes people say, oh, there's something there that I need to worry about. Even if they don't actually have that in the, uh, in the, you know, the top of their head, it's in the back of their head because we're triggering it that way. So yeah, I Close. completely agree with you, Ted, about exercises on the body and the voice. Um, yeah, if, what if it's if, a if, haunted, if, what if it's a haunted convenience store? so i've got a suggestion and it was spurred by the thought when uh ted said something about sniffing people <clears throat> one of my favorite lines working in a queue line is you sniff somebody and you go you smells different when you're asleep i use that <laughs> It, I guarantee you that will make the hair on their neck stand up. <laughs> that one, or I'll see you under your bed later. Right. Right. right that's the interesting part, too. The, the actors up at the queue, it's a different creature than ones that you're seeing and everything. You're seeing, you're really, you're playing into the scene and trying to keep it immersive. When you're up at a queue, you can be a, you, you're really setting people at ease or taking them out of their element. You really got to work with it. One of my favorite things working with a queue are the little kids uh, because, you know, that people would just bring kids and you'd see them. They're a little scared and dealing with monsters and stuff. I remember almost no matter what kind of character I'd be up there, I'd have fun with the little kids and I'd go off and scare some teenagers. You hear them scream. And when I come back by, I'd say, see, you handled that better than the big kids. And you'd play into their ego and stuff. And, and you could really get people. And it's amazing. Well, you just guess and throw things out there. Sometimes it's not going to work. All right, that's fine. Some, something else will get them. But, like, you know, I'd, I'd be messing with a couple of people in the queue and then just turn to one of the people in the group and go, 
you're afraid of the dark. And, you know, somebody would rat him out and go, yes, he still has a nightlight. <laughs> and, 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 and I mean, the stuff just works. It's, it's like you you can get in their heads, but everybody's afraid of the dark. Everybody's afraid of something like this. They're, oh, oh, they're clowns. Oh, no, not clowns. You know, it's 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 great. You can play off of it. And even though it's it, it seems old and repetitive, especially to us doing it all the time, these people have never heard it before. And it, it's going to be a great effect. So that's one of the things, too, is it, don't think you have to reinvent your act every night. And every time it can get repetitive and you try and keep it fresh for yourself. But, you know, that freshness and how you're delivering it, it's always a new experience for just about every guest coming through in a season. I, you know, and to, to play off that, I heard a lot of, you know, a lot of sort of negative talk about uh, what they call canned lines. And I think that there's two kinds. There's, you know, generic lines like, you know, you know, uh, I, I want to hurt you or something like I, I, whatever it is. I don't know what a generic line uh, would be at this point. But, uh, you know, of course, those don't mean anything. But if there's a line or a bit, like some concerti or Lazzi that works for a particular character and they're working and, and it works for the get for you, why not be able to have it in your back pocket to be able to use it again? You're right. I mean, these people don't see it. And it doesn't even have to be that um, consistent. You know, if you have a story about a pet dog and you rip the dog's head off and you know, were really sad, except then you found out it was really your little brother and then you were happy because you didn't kill your dog. <laughs> so instead of being a dog, you could use a, a cat or if somebody's wearing a, a shirt that has, you know, like a wolf or, or a turtle or a snake or something like that. The expression is more important than the details. And you can use these as long as you have that idea that, you know, it, it, things that work, you can use again. One right. of the and it's all in delivery too. Well, delivery, of course. <laughs> but at the same time, I also don't like to to put out any promises to that customer, like I'm going to hurt you or we're going to kill you, because no good boy. They, they expect you to come true on that. You know <laughs> right I mean? here, right here. Yeah, I got nothing <laughs> yeah. to live for. Yeah. Of course, right here through the heart. No. It'll make it faster. So, Trust no me. No Doing me a favor. Push away from that one. <laughs> yeah. Always have an out. Always yeah, have a course. line out. You know, I'm going to cut your liver out. If you don't get moving into the queue, so yeah. shoe. I would but. I would prefer an I want to. I mean, yes. even that because then you don't have you're not promising. Right. That's a quick. That's an easy fix for that. I think. Yeah. Well, I went to a um, one of the classes that I took at Transworld several years ago that was taught by Michael Edwards of Terror on the Corn. Um, he had he used the phrase um, having things in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. Each and I and I've. I always teach that, um, you know, put things in your toolbox that you can pull out as basically things that you could say, because you're right, Jonathan, um, improv games that we do, I use those for icebreakers, but for the actual um, actor training is I do different scenarios. And then whenever we're doing our dress rehearsal, I'll say, okay, well, you know, what would you say if somebody said oh you're not scary or what are you supposed to be and I would throw out different scenarios you know or like the you know the little 14 year old punk you know oh mm-hmm. you're so scary I'm not scared of you what would you say to them um and then also with having such a a story driven um theme and and haunt is I really asked them okay how did you end up in Banshee Manor what were you doing what did they do to you because pretty much everyone's dead there, okay? And what is it you really want to get out 
why, what are you willing to do to get out of Banshee Manor? Um, and those are things that, that help them give them ideas as to what to say. You know, if somebody's like, I had a, a priest in, you know, the little chapel and I gave him those, you know, those questions and he came up with, you know, he's been praying and praying, but it didn't help. And even though praying didn't save his soul, he'll pray for them, but it's probably not going to help them either. And that, <laughs> that he built his entire character on that, you know, and, uh, you know, he, he threw in some, you know, Hail Marys and, you know, uh, you know, things like that. And he built his whole character around that. I've had other characters who are like, I just, I don't want to be left alone. Please don't leave me alone here anymore. Take me with you. I've been here for hundreds of years. Just take me with you, you know? And so that's one of the ways that they come up with things on their own to say, to build their character is just giving them questions um, and mm -hmm. some guidelines. And like you said, they can come up with some really great stuff. Some of the stuff that they come up with is 10 times better than anything I've come up with. So one of the, oh, yeah. one of the things Absolutely. I love, one of the things I like to do is, is tell people, and there are actor trainers out there who will disagree with me on this. That if you cannot be scary, be entertaining. Sometimes you can throw a line out there that is completely out of left field. And it may not be a scary line, but people will remember it. And I'll give you a real quick example here. We're running a little low on time. Um, in 2001, I was going through a haunted attraction with a group of people. And we rounded a corner and somebody popped out of a fake door, stuck his head out and said, how you doing? And shut the door. And it wasn't really scary. But to this day, I know the guy had gray face paint. He had red lines under his eyes. He was wearing a brown like monk's kind of cloak with a hood on it. And I remember every single detail in the maybe one second I saw this person. And I can be with that same group of people today. And one of us will go, how you doing? And we'll all laugh because we all know what we're talking about. It was such a memorable moment. You know, I don't remember anything or much else what that was going on in that haunt. But sometimes it just takes that one little out of left field line. You know, what are you supposed to be? Well, I'm going to be under your bed tonight. I'm going to be the thing that lives under your bed. Great. You know, that everybody says stuff like that. But if, if somebody asks you, what are you supposed to be? And you say something like, I don't know, but your mama's waiting for me tonight. You know, <laughs> and all the other kids go, ooh, you know, they remember that stuff. You know, not necessarily a scary line, but definitely a memorable and definitely an entertaining line. So sometimes, you know, come up with two or three different things that you say, and you may have to repeat them 10 times a night or more. But if you have that one zinger, boy, sometimes those things just, just stay with people forever. Because I'll never forget the how you doing guy. And that's been yeah. 21 years. <laughs> I had a guy, an actor, um, several years ago, I had a fake stockade. And he was in the stockade. And what they didn't know was he could actually come off of that and lunge at people. But his whole thing as his own decoy was he was asking people for a ham sandwich. You know, and he was like, come on. I want, you know, it doesn't even matter what, if it, whether it's got mustard or, or, or mayonnaise on it. Just, you know, I just need a ham sandwich. That's your smell ham sandwich. Please give me a ham sandwich. That's all I'm asking for. And then as they get by him, you know, thinking they're done with him, they, they would just kind of laugh at him and stuff. 
And then he'd say, I said I wanted a ham sandwich. And he comes after him and completely comes off the stockades. And that is such a stupid line, but people remembered it. And it was funny and it disarmed them. So, yeah, I agree with you completely, Drew. If, um, you know, entertaining him, you know, can, can get that be just as memorable as the scare sometimes. Especially if that sets them up for the scare. I mean, that's, exactly. that's a great scare. Yeah. You can you can use incredibly stupid things. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my first year haunting, and then this became like a trademark afterwards. Um, the the room area we're in is an outdoor maze, and it flooded. I mean, we get rain, and we'd be in two inches of rain, and you know you're like do something about it. To one point, one of the last nights, I brought my fishing pole out of my car and said, I, you know, in between <laughs> groups, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> and I'm looking around, and we got all these rubber chickens just sitting up in the actor loft. So I take one with me. I tie it to the fishing pole. And it was a little bit of a slower night because it was a little damp and, and a little cold. And, and so there'd be groups in between. The house was a little slow on, on people coming through and stuff. But we had like one or two big, huge hallways. So I tied that chicken to that fishing pole. And I cast that chicken down the line. And I would just start reeling them in slowly around the corner and swear to God, people go, oh, I guess we follow the chicken. And so even on a slow (laughs) night, they'd be going around corners and they're looking at this stupid chicken just dragging itself across the floor and not seeing the zombie like right there. So they're getting scares. And then they come into the, 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 tower I was in, I'm holding a fishing pole with a chicken, and I'm like, ooh, my trap worked. Ah! And then people <laughs> jump out at him. So, I mean, you can make the stupidest things work. <laughs> you would be surprised how much, though, you can get somebody caught up into that sense of humor, and they're, they're let that guard down just enough for that scare to pow right back at them, too. So, absolutely. we do that oh, a lot. Absolutely. If your house has a nice big end finish, it, it's great to get them off guard with that. And a lot of haunt will do that where you'll think you're out of the house but you're not just because of that you get that relief and oh it's fun and stuff and then oh there comes a chainsaw guy out of a box or something yeah well i'm looking at the clock here and i know we have to run we're getting a little short of time here last question for our guests and if the hosts want to follow in too what would you say has been the best scare you have ever given as an actor at your haunts let's start with ted (laughs) <laughs> okay so i played the old sparky electric chair fellow one year and we set it up to where you know everybody was sitting in their chairs right there in front of us and uh one of the main guys was in there with me running the switches and my little bitty 60 year old mother is also in the scene with the setting in the chairs crying because her son is going to die in the electric chair and she's got them all concerned with her. Please help him. Please help him. Please help him. But about that time, the guy says, oh, we're done with it. And he hits that switch and the lights go off. And we had set this little lady in front of me on this ledge. And she says, oh, my God. And the lights went off. And I reached around and I reached up and I grabbed her. And I said, yes, my child. And the whole crew went through the wall. <laughs> oh, I had to go outside to stop and make sure that we had a couple that were okay because they literally went through the plywood wall. That's tremendous. How about you, Jonathan? What's the best scary you've ever done? Okay, I'm not, I I can't say it's the best scary because 
memorable. So, so many, but my one of one of the, my favorite things to do is to set people up and 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 get the scare. So one of the things that I like to do, for example, is with uh, I have a my. You know, one of my characters, uh, Sammy, who's, you know, roadkill Sammy, who's just off in the head. And it's uh, and so it's a lot of fun playing him. And so while I'm working the crowd, I'll turn, you know, do a, a, a slow turn you know, to somebody else a little bit uh, you know, further away. And I'll just stop and I'll just uh, and I'll wave at them with a blank face, you know, blank look, just completely still, just with a smile and waving. And they'll wave back at first and then they'll make little faces or whatever they'll do. And eventually, you know, not it doesn't really take that long at all. They'll either get uh, nervous or uncomfortable because I'm just kind of staring them at, you know, smiling, very uh, friendly way. And they'll turn to a friend of theirs. And at that point, I, of course, prepped for this. Uh, I launch and I am in their face running at them as they are turning, which means they're Focus and direction is away and out of the peripheral vision, they see something coming at them fast. And that will get them no matter no matter how tough they think they are, because I like picking on uh, I like for this particular one to choose people that uh, are, you know, bigger and, and you know, you know, you know the, the, the type the type that, you know, probably wouldn't want to be scared or, or if I was just standing up, you know, trying to scare them, they'd just be like, yeah, no big deal. But if you get that eye, you get that eye contact, and you get that control over the scene, and you wait for them, and they take themselves off their guard, and you're there, and then you, I follow it up with, well, I, I I thought you wanted to say hello, I thought you wanted to be friends after they, you know, it's to kind of to to bring them back down. It's an uncomfortable scare, but I'm setting them up, being my own distraction. That's my favorite is doing things like that, setting them up for me to get a scare like that. I love, love that, you know, scaring someone and then saying, but I thought you wanted to be my friend. Why are you screaming at me? <laughs> that's, that, that. that's, that's, that's Sammy. Sammy, Sammy likes to make people smile because when rigor mortis <laughs> sets in, they stay that way. You know, it's, uh, it's one of those things. That's yeah. awesome. How about you, uh, Jonna? Um, you know, this was not my biggest scare, but it's definitely one of my favorite memories. Um, I was guest acting at another haunt before mine opened and it, we had a little bit of a lull. It was like Friday night and we were kind of waiting for, you know, all the after the football game crowd. And so we had a little bit of a lull. There was nobody there. And their cue line actor is a, has a big booming bass voice. And um, I'm known for my witch's cackle. And so we were having a laugh off out there to see who could do the loudest, creepiest, either laugh or, or cackle or whatever. Pretty soon we're, we're out there doing that. And pretty soon people are coming, the actors are coming out of the haunt and they're like, what's going on? You're creeping us out. <laughs> and I just love that, that they were in there, you know, waiting for people to come up and then they're hearing these cackles and these laughs and they're just like, what's going on? You're creeping me out. Please stop. <laughs> nice. How about you, Jim? Well, <clears throat> Honestly, um, the most memorable one was when I was at the Dent Schoolhouse. And uh, we had this app where you could tag somebody and, and monsters would come out and take them into the, into the haunt. So I kind of worked the front of the front of the it, it was called uh, Detention Hall. It was like the secondary haunt. And 
they somebody picked a kid about 16 years old i got went backstage okay so i grabbed me and my friend jason he's my my late business partner with mall uh we went out there and the kid ran we chased him all over the queue line uh we finally caught up to him about 100 yards away jason picked him up threw him over his shoulder walked back to the haunt, which was a maze, walked into one of the emergency exits, dropped him off in the dead center of the maze, and walked out. This isn't the end of the story. Uh-huh. We, I go back to my position in the front of the haunt and the queue line, and he pokes his head out from one of the curtains and goes, come here, i got to talk to you. So we went backstage, and he looked at me and says, that kid pissed all over me. <laughs> and sure as shit, there is his whole side is just drenched in pee. You never forget your first piss. <laughs> yeah, you never forget that one. There but, goes our PG rating. <laughs> Jason didn't stop. Didn't go to change. This we uh. still had like four hours left. Mm. He worked in that piss stained costume. Dedication, gotta love it. Yeah, pure dedication. <laughs> How about you, uh, Storm? Uh, the the best scare I ever got was actually my first year working at Trails of Terror. Um, we made the mistake of doing a full zombie theme in both the Hayride and the Walkthrough. How that's a mistake is um, even though you try and have some actors doing different things, by any night they're all doing the same growl. So don't ever do that. It's it's awful. Um, so keep variety in there. But what we did have were a couple of plants, and I was a plant. So I had this nice foam appliance under my shirt and everything. And I'd jump on the hayride with people at the beginnings and with the farm all security, blah, blah, blah. And I get bitten halfway through. And at the last scene in the hayride, I would you know become a zombie and attack people from the the uh, wagon itself and work my way off well uh you know i'm here in rhode island my uh parents live in new jersey so my mom comes up with my sister and they get my aunt who's like an hour and a half away wouldn't normally go there so my mom and sister knew what was going on and what part i was playing but not my aunt so i see them show up oh surprise oh there's aunt shirley and my mom and everything oh it's great uh, and she's like well you're not in cost I go, yeah, I rolled my ankle earlier, but I get to ride on the wagon with you. So I just happened to be there when they're getting on. So I was able to jump on the wagon with them and rode right next to my aunt through it. You know, I get bitten. And towards the end, like the second last scene, I'll play that I'm feeling sick. Really, I'm leaning over the edge of the hayride, putting blood and stuff on my face in the dark. And like my aunt's rubbing my back, thinking that. Oh, 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 he's sick from this bouncy hayride and stuff. He's not doing well. So when we get to the last scene and all the lights come on, it's my turn to rip open my you know chest and growl. Uh, she lost it. I mean, scream. I still get yelled at to this day. And it's like 15 <laughs> years later. That it, It's still upstairs. That's that's the best scare. I, I set up my poor aunt. She got my, um, my mother back later because in the walkthrough, she was holding hands with my mom through this tunnel we had and she let go. And one of our zombies started holding my mom's hand. So when she looked over, it wasn't aunt Shirley. It was a zombie. She lost it. So they both have their story from that night. That's funny. 
My, uh, my favorite scare I reserve that I, I only give that story when I teach workshops, but I'll tell you my best scare was we used to have a manager that promised you a steak dinner if you had what we lovingly called a leg shaker. And if you don't know what a leg shaker is, it's basically when something solid is shaken out of the bottom of a leg that uh, is not urine. And um, I was working... We're in an area with a bunch of steel support pipes under an arboretum type area. And this woman was just standing there. Uh, you know, she was, I guess, waiting for her husband, boyfriend, whatever, to come out of the maze nearby. And I had a pair of clacker gloves with me. And I just came up behind her and took both hands and went clang <laughs> on that steel pipe, maybe, maybe a foot from her head. And she just kind of went, ah, just like huh? that. Just a, not a scream, just this like gasp. And like all of a sudden there was this odor and she started shaking her leg. And needless to say, we had to close that area for about 15 minutes as we usually call it a protein spill. We had to close that area off. And I'll tell you what, that was the best damn steak dinner I have ever eaten in my life. And that, that was just tremendous. So... I don't know if I'd have an appetite for that. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I didn't the have professional a... tease there too. I, well, you know, here's a good story, say? but the better story comes if you hire me. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, folks looking at the clock, I know we have to go here. So let's, uh, let's give the uh, opportunity for our guests to plug their haunts. How can people get more information and all that? And we want to thank our very special guests, Ted Dennison and Jonathan Seth for, uh, Coming back for part two of actor training, character development, and improv. We hope you've learned something tonight. But, Ted, tell us a little bit about Nightmare in the Country. When's opening night? And what are the websites and social medias? Uh, well, we're open every weekend in October. Uh, nightmareinthecountry.com. We have our own website, nightmareinthecountry.com. Uh, we also on Facebook. Um, let's see. This will be our 12th year, and we're bringing three haunts this year. So changing some stuff up. I'm going to do a selfless plug too. I'm also the owner operator for red dirt monsters in Northwest Oklahoma. I make masks and props for theater haunts and cosplay. So look me up on TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm all over. Just look me up. <laughs> Excellent. And thank you. Uh, Jonathan, tell us where people can get information about fright nights and stuff. Yeah. Fright nights at the South Florida fairgrounds. Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, internet, web searches, very easy. I, once again, difficult to give a website over uh, <laughs> on the podcast. On the podcast, but Friday nights at the South Florida Fairgrounds, come see us. Uh, it's going to be a fantastic year. We have a lot of the people from Enigma Haunt, so we're kind of merging two different groups. So we're going to, uh, you know, a lot of. It's going to be a fantastic time. We have a couple different crews there that are going to be just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, for me, uh, uh, you can find me personally at. Sammy.enigmahaunt at gmail.com. Facebook, I'm Sammy Days. And you can find me, uh, you know, let's say I, I did a seminar on character creation in uh, Midwest Haunters Convention and then back in uh, 2021 at Transworld. And I'll, we'll see if I'm still in some of the rotations for some new things. I'm interested in doing uh, scare, uh, act, acting, scaring safely, safety for actors, which I think is not. I don't find enough material out there. So uh, I use a lot of my own uh, information there, you know, from other acting disciplines. 
and uh, that's and I love talking haunts. And then I thank you and I thank the coast, the go hosts as well for having a really uh, topical and informative discussion on uh, haunt acting. I think they really get some information and I learned stuff. So I'm really thrilled. Thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Don't uh, go anywhere. I've got a couple of names for people that might help you with the safety. So, but I definitely, <laughs> but I definitely want to uh, thank our hosts, including Storm. So we, we've learned the secret of Banshee Manor tonight. We found out that Jonah p- pays her actors exclusively in Klondike bars. <laughs> <laughs> Meet Hook Jim. What's this TikTok stuff? I have no idea. I'm as old as you, but not quite. Uh, Jana down in Fayetteville, uh, plug Banshee Manor, and uh, thank you for participating as well. Thank you, um, BansheeManor.com, um, and I want to plug that I am going to be at the Texas Honors Convention next weekend. Actually, this is the weekend yeah. that it's going to be airing, so hey, Happening if you right run now. into me at Texas Honors Convention, come up and say hi. There you go. My name is Drew Badger, and uh, you can hire me. I have a couple of weekends available in August and September, so but they are filling fast. You can reach me for an actor's workshop at rabidbadger.org. And if there's one thing I learned tonight that it is, if I ever go through Banshee Manor, I'm bringing a ham sandwich. <laughs> this is the Round Table of Terror here on The Big Scary Show. You should probably bring a ham sandwich to any haunt. You make friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>Drew Badger here. We are live in Lexington, Kentucky at the Haunters Against Hate the Event number two. Having a great time talking to a lot of folks. Saw these guys walking through the halls here just yesterday when I walked in. I was like, oh my God, they must have come all the way up from New Orleans. Turns out they did as Jonathan Bailey and Crystal Ramey from Haunt Weekly, a very fine podcast. I assume you guys do video. It's still a podcast. I don't know. But you guys do yours live where we don't, and you guys have some great information. You got, I love the topics you guys talk about, but I'm assuming you guys are up here comp, uh, covering the Haunters Against Hate convention. Well, yeah, we've been supporters of Haunters Against Hate since literally day one for the organization. And we weren't able to make it last year, but we were very excited. We found the time and were able to come up this year. Yes, yes, because we are part of the haunt community and, and part of the um, LGBTQ+. Yeah community too so, so it's a natural um, natural pairing for yeah, us i was really excited to be able to come and it's uh, again you're supporting a great cause here with helping you know various communities and various organizations that help the lgbtq community plus and all that but uh let's talk about haunt weekly you guys have been around for a number of years you guys do live shows 
most of the time. Well, well you do. Yeah. Most of the time. Not always. but So we're, right now we are in a transition period where we are Uh-oh. going to go to live shows once a month. Because okay. it was... It was a lot to do it every week. Yeah, we started. We doing are the, recording every week, but yeah, we started doing the live shows at the beginning of the pandemic, basically, right. yeah. and it was a sort of a way, especially in those early weeks, for people to blow off a little steam, have something to do, yeah. way to fill the time when they're all sitting at home. And we we really love doing it live. We love the banter. We get back and forth with the chat. We get a lot mm-hmm. of great questions. But it is a lot from a technical and time standpoint. Oh, I can imagine. It's not just sitting up a microphone on your kitchen table and sitting there and just saying, so let's talk about this. Yeah. And it's especially true when you have guests on like we do regularly. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot of work from a technical standpoint. So we do three episodes a week recorded, just the two of us. Mm-hmm. And we're trying once a month now, bring on a guest from the outside, and that one is live. And that way we can bring people from the Haunt community in. And the community can ask questions of that person live as the chat's going on. Exactly. What has been some of the recent topics for people who may not be able or be familiar with your show? Some of the things that you've talked about over the last, you know, few weeks and maybe some of the topics you have coming up, like maybe somebody can suggest a guest for you or otherwise. Um, lately, we've actually been on a run of fairly serious topics. Yeah, no <laughs> so fairly, fairly these heavy. These can be serious times. Yes, yes. these can be serious times. Yes. We did one about a sexual assault and haunting recently yeah. and told a, a very powerful story. had a very wonderful guest on there. Mm-hmm. We told a very powerful story. Um, we also do news episodes every four episodes. And that way we just sort of cover whatever's going on in the industry, good, bad, and different and ugly. But other things we like to we do like to be very haunt centric in what we talk about. So it can be everything from like basic scare tactics to how to recruit actors, how to train actors. We love bringing our friend Japes on to talk about training and recruiting love actors. Having Japes on the show, Jay- Japes Palace out of Chicago. Yeah, you yeah. cannot go wrong with a Japes episode ever <laughs> on any podcast. Yeah, He's very fun. true. What are some of the things that you've got coming up that maybe uh, you can surprise or spoil, maybe a spoiler here or some of the things you might be talking about in the next few weeks? Um, so in the next few weeks, we're hoping to get together some more information um, to discuss the sexual assault in the haunted. There's a big story going on right yeah. now yeah. on the West Coast that we won't yeah. discuss here. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but there is a big story, and there are some things, because I have an HR background, um, so I can speak to some of the things that you do in regular corporate day that helps mitigate. And you know. one of the things I know we've been talking about getting back into is we, we have a fairly lengthy Women in Haunting series. Yes. Um, brought on a lot of different guests from all over the country on that, and we're looking to resume that, um, hopefully in short order, because we've been meeting so many wonderful women in haunting here and online and elsewhere. It's just, yeah, it's... I think we've got to. Re- I think we've got to get that going again. Yeah. So I think right now we're we're looking at more serious topics, but every once in a while you've got to take a break and have yeah, some fun. Yeah, you got to blow the too. steam off. Yeah. And yeah. just enjoy Do something silly. And yeah. one of the other things that will be coming up is we will, for the first time in three years, be working on our haunt. Yeah. And we will <laughs> yeah. be talking about that. We were closed 2019 due to road construction. Yeah, I was going to ask you if they ever got the road fixed. They did get the road fixed. <laughs> Um, Before Halloween. Oh, nice. Yeah, just too late for us to do anything about it. Um, but we had, so we're closing 2019 to the road work. 2020, 2021, the pandemic shut us down. Yep. Local ordinances, we had no hope of complying. This will be our first year in three years we've been open. So join us as we restart the process and try to finish the haunt and get ready to open. Yeah, and I'm sure that we'll have some 
marketing tips for those of you who have also been out of the industry for a couple of years. Yeah, that's true. That trying to get to people to know your back. And, exactly. And Excellent. Exactly. So you guys, yours is a more of a home haunt than yes. anything. It's not a professional, here's five, 20 bucks, whatever, get through. No, okay. no we, we, we do a home haunt, and we like keeping it at a home haunt. That way it remains something that's fun and not a job. Yeah. <laughs> We've, the day it becomes a job is the day it's like, oh, we just, it's not fun anymore. But um, for people wanting to know more information about Haunt Weekly, which is on, as you said, weekly and now three times a week and going, you know, going back to live here and uh, want to keep up with your adventures of starting your home haunt, which, by the way, you can plug here. What are the websites and social medias that uh, people can catch this? I assume it's on streaming platforms oh, as yes. your website. And uh, how can we find out about your home haunts? Um, haunt Weekly stuff, you can find us at hauntweekly.com or Haunt Weekly on Twitter, Haunt Weekly on Facebook, and youtube.com slash hauntweekly is the YouTube channel. Some people really like listening through the YouTubes. Um, you can also find us, like you said, on any podcasting platform. As for our home haunt, we are Bernie Baxter's Traveling Sideshow, based out of New Orleans, and you can find more there at berniebaxter.com. Is it a sideshow kind of thing? We do a carnival theme, and we, we kind of like to use the carnival theme because we have that's what the outside of it is, and the sideshow can be is the haunt itself, and it can be any story, any character we want to tell or focus on. We get to completely change it up and have the same, roughly the same front of house year after year because you know I'm Bernie, the Carney Barker, trying to lure people in. Well, I, and you also, as the Carney Barker, have gone out and found the talent that's yes. going to be scaring you inside the haunt every exactly. year. And with three years of planning and everything, I can only imagine it's going to be off the charts this year. That's we the hope. hope. <laughs> now, are you going to be open more than just Halloween weekend or anything like that? No, no, no. We, we usually open uh, the weekend before Halloween and Halloween night itself. Okay. And that's it. We try to keep it limited, both for the sake of our actors and the sake of our neighbors. Yes. <laughs> Mostly the neighbors. The actors yeah. will probably chomp it a bit for more. I'm sure the trick-or-treaters love it, though. Oh, yes. Yes. And, and that's really why we do it, right? Because it's all for the kids. It's all for the kids. Exactly. But once again, folks, Bernie Baps. BernieBaxter.com. I assume that's Bernie IE. Yes. BernieBaxter.com for their home haunt down in New Orleans. And uh, HauntWeekly.com for everything with Jonathan and Crystal here. I wish you guys continued success with your haunt, or with your uh, podcast. Keep growing and doing all that good stuff. And uh, thank you for taking time to speak to us here on The Big Scary Show. It's been great. Thank you very much. Always a lot of fun meeting fellow podcasters here at places like Haunters Against Hate here in Lexington, Kentucky. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, and we are out. Passion is what drives us. The passion to be the best. For over 10 years, that passion has taken us from eBay to becoming the driving force in the haunted house industry. And we are just getting started. From flex props to nine foot giants. Great details, great looks, and great pricing is the foundation we are built on. Our heart beats Halloween and haunts. We are a creepy collection. Let us deliver our passion to your haunted attraction this season. CreepyCollection.com. Now that's creepy. Hello, everybody. Drew Badger down here at the... Hey, uh, Badger. Oh, bloody hell. He's back again. Tater. Badger. How you doing, man? Um, let, let's let's have some information. You know what? Were you... They, I feel like I... Did I... In a, 
No, you're you're good. You're yeah, fine. They've only been in a couple. Of okay, they they yeah. they can you know, they can wait been, their turn. We have our super special sorry, correspondent so here. We have to go make another movie. Just have a ha- yeah, you know, go talk to those people who want your autograph. Because I've got Tater here, yeah. and you know, Tater from Froggy's Fog. Yeah. Well That's loved, me. well beloved in the industry, but you do have some news regarding Froggy's Fog. You've been teasing me all freaking day about this. I have news? Yes, you do. About what? I don't know. That's why we're waiting to hear from you. Oh, earlier? Yes. Oh, when I said I have a new product? Mm-hmm. Oh, I was just lying. I thought you knew that. Oh, well, fine. Well, that's just Tater. All right, well, this nice is day, true. <laughs> no, seriously, what's going on with uh, Froggies now? So we, uh, we have now... Uh, came come out with or uh, partnered with a, a company, and we are revealing here at Hunters Against Hate. Breaking news: a what they, we're calling the micro fogger. It is a mini fogger designed for costumes and props. So for people walking around, they can like literally have fog and smoke and things like that. Burn victim costume. Come on, we got that now. I've been wanting this. I had a burn character for years when I worked at a theme park, and I would love to have had some kind of smoking thing, dry ice or something. And no fog machine was small enough to do this. But apparently, now is the time. Now's the time, and uh, you know we've they've they've been on the market for a while. But they've been really stupid expensive. You're gonna, you're talking like thousands of, like thousand dollar for a battery operated mini fogger or portable, you know, fogger that you could hide in some places. And and honestly, it just wasn't justifiable for for us to bring it to you guys without with that price tag. Sure. So uh, this is a micro fogger. It is a uh, it's just about five inches long. Um, so that's all the bigger it is. And uh, what we're going to do is we're going to debut it. Uh, we are taking orders on it now. All they got to do is pick up the phone and call us. We have them uh, coming to us in about four weeks from now, which is, you know, probably early, uh, August, early August, early to mid August. Just in time for the season. And how much would you. Now, if I, if I tell you you can run it, the battery, for 20 minutes, that's a, that's a long time on battery. What kind of battery problems. are we talking about? You know, obviously it's only five inches, so standard um, nine volt. Standard, no, it's rechargeable battery, oh, okay. USB rechargeable. Um, five minutes, so you know, uh, of fog, or twenty minutes of, of continuous fog uh, on that battery. Um, I think you can hook it up to like a battery backup, but I'm not one hundred percent on that yet. What would you be willing to pay for that, Badger? Oh my gosh, I'm sure it'll be way too expensive. You said they were a thousand dollars, so I'm going to guess. Nine ninety nine ninety five and save a nickel. Better than that, Badger. Eight hundred. Lower. Six hundred. Lower. Twenty nine ninety five. Two hundred dollars, Badger. <laughs> Two hundred dollars. You get your own personal. Does this come with like fogger. a set of steak knives too? No, it's just <laughs> it. You just get the fogger. 200 bucks, and you can plug it right into your costume and go and smoke your way out. That's actually a really good price, you know, and that's within almost everyone's budget. You know, if you're a haunted house and you've got, like, that that scene with the burn victims or you've got that lab experiment or you're a wandering character and half your body's covered in that stuff and you stick this under your coat or whatever, turn it on, and for 20 minutes, you're smoking is what it sounds like. Essentially, you're, yeah, you hit the button and you're smoking. Now, the other thing that I'm not telling you, and I'm going to review all the secrets now. 
it comes with a wireless controller, wireless remote. So does that mean I don't have to control it? Like my boss could be standing over there. You can do it. Yep. I've actually uh, going to start bringing it to shows. I got a big button, and it's it's a big blue button, and it says smoke. And you can press that button, and the smoke machine will go off. Fantastic. So now we can all have <clears throat> smoking jackets, right? Yeah, I hate uh, you. Yeah, you just wish you'd thought of it first. Boo. <laughs> it's over $200. Froggy's Fog is making a micro-fog machine, if I have this We're right. Distributing you, a micro-fog Distributing. Machine. You know, you're not manufacturing it, but no. you are distributing it. Yes. Now, is this coming out of Germany or China or anything, or is this coming out of the U.S.? This is coming out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Oh, fantastic. So it is American-made. It is American-made. So people will people like that. We have a fluid that works you know, for that machine. Specifically so, for? Yep, you can just put standard foggers. frog juice in this? Or? No, battery. you got to get the battery fluid. Okay. Uh, which is a gallon of it. You know, Obviously, that's our premium. Is that the $1,000? Yeah, it's not $1,000. Okay. I don't know the price off of, of battery fluid off the top of my head, but uh, it's not going to be $1,000 a gallon. No, that's that's for not. sure. <laughs> well, this is some really, some really interesting news because I know a lot of people who would absolutely jump on the opportunity to walk around there haunt queue lines or be in their rooms or scenes or along the trail and smoking or fogging, so to speak. Or you could just sit there and go poof and big old puff of fog. That would be awesome. So this is uh, something brand new coming out of from Foggy's for only $200 plus get the fluid with it. And uh, where can people start taking pre-orders from this? they got to call me. they got to call the 877-376-4499 and hit extension 85 when that voice picks up. And that would you be you. You need to talk to Tater. <laughs> of course. Or froggiesfog.com. It'll probably be live on the website in a little bit, but uh, I can do pre-orders before it goes live. And you mentioned you were going to be debuting this. Is there a show that you're going to be debuting this at in particular or just like on the web or something? Probably at Midsummer Scream will immediately sell out Oh, of it. fantastic. So. I will be at Midsummer Scream. I want to watch this demo yeah. happening. I will volunteer to be the smoking guy. And I, and I you know... I, you know, changing the subject just a little bit, I Uh-oh. I want to apologize. You know, I I am uh, sending my condolences for your loss. I, I can't believe we lost Jim already, um, but I'm I'm so sorry to hear about his unexpected death. Well, you know, this, we we weren't going to reveal that just yet, but you know, hey, spoilers are here. Wait, he's not dead? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what just, can I say? He just looks like he is. Yeah, I oh. wasn't going to say it. Well. Uh, sorry, uh, <laughs> edit this part out. <laughs> oh, sure, we'll edit this right out. Wink, wink. Well, Tater, uh, thank you for the uh, breaking news here. This is fantastic. Every Always time a- we do this interview, nobody can see this, but you shake my hand every time we wrap this up. We've yeah, been shaking hands three times at least. It's it's one of those things. You, you just have a good handshake, and it's not a wet fish like some other people at this convention. We Vane, won't talk Jerry, about Jerry, we're looking at. No, we're looking at Jerry Vane. Mm, we're not saying anything. But anyway... Thank you, Tater. You know, once again, folks, if you work at a haunted attraction and you've been dying haha, to have a smoking jacket or something of this ilk, froggiesfog.com or call Tater, extension 85 at the 877 number, and uh, he'll pick up and he'd be happy to make a pre-order for you. Yeah. This is going to probably create a whole new cottage industry. This sounds like it's going to be an amazing thing. And speaking of dead fish, when you see my ex, tell her I said hi for uh, you. I will Thank certainly. Uh, which one? Uh-huh. That one. <laughs> okay, yes, that one. Once again, folks, Drew Badger with some breaking news here at the Haunters Against Hate Convention in Lexington, Kentucky. Tater, again, a pleasure not shaking your hand this time. Don't to shake. have you talk to <laughs> 
You, for our you almost ruined my cape last time. I'm sorry, but you know, you can borrow it from that person, that person, or even that I'm just one. I'm going to whoop their asses and take all the capes. Those are some nice capes. How many capes do you think I can have? Um, Is there a cape limit for your super special correspondent? 37. 37? You've only got four, so you got a ways to go. Yeah! Yeah! <laughs> all right, folks, Drew Badger here for the Big Scary Show, and we are out. And I'm not even... Eerie Vaughn and Mike Morantz. Nightmare on the Big Scary Show. house owners, actors, and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. 
open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Broadcasting to you from the darkest regions of the Earth, this is A Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so it's a big week this week for um, haunt props for both your home haunters and your professionals. And I mean that literally because this is the week that the oversized props from Home Cheapo will be available. That's right, your giant skeletons, your your giant pumpkin guys are back this year, and a couple other friends, including a 10-foot werewolf. But yes, something even cooler is happening this year. Other places are finally getting into the giant lawn monster arena. And, uh... Of course, you know, if Home Depot's doing it, Lowe's has to do it. So Lowe's has a 12-foot monster of their own. Yes, it's a giant mummy, which, you know, suspiciously looks like a really big skeleton wearing thin scrubs and bandages. But who cares? We've done it. We've got Battle of the Giant Lawn Monsters. Yes, professionals and, and, and homeowners alike can have battling giant lawn monsters and I can't wait for this to go to other stores too you know we're going to be seeing this trend happen next year for other places you know uh, I'm sure the next of fall will be bed bath and beyond and they'll just give us a really really big sheet with two eye holes in it for their 12 foot ghosts um, we could be seeing other things um, unfortunately that could also lead into things like you know hot topic having a 12 foot sparkly vampire I don't know if we can do that, but yes, keep bringing us giant, oversized 12-foot monsters for our lawn, and until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. The cold, glossy pages of True Magazine call the killer shrew the world's most savage mammal. You'll never venture into a forest alone after you see The Killer Shrews with James Best and Ingrid Good, motion picture horror masterpiece. The Killer Shrews. <laughs> it's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> it's summer. A hot, hot summer. But that's not going to stop us from working on our haunts. After all, the season is almost upon us. 
I decided this might be a good time to remind everyone to investigate the local building codes and ADA guidelines. It's best to do it now and not wait until the last minute and have to change things on the fly before opening day. I'm lucky that my haunt goes into an established business, so the only thing I have to worry about each year is being ADA compliant and fire safety. A federal law, the Americans with Disabilities Act, requires most businesses and facilities to provide reasonable access and accommodation for all disabled customers, clients, and members of the public. The ADA does apply to almost all businesses that are open to the public, regardless of the size. However, you should talk to your local government and building inspectors to see what they will require of you. A lot of haunts are exempt from the requirement. Perhaps this is because they fit into a loophole, grandfather clause, or outside city limits. But if you're like me, smack dab in the middle of town, the tape measure is your friend. I typically change my floor plan a bit each year. A small advantage to be in a mobile haunt. But no matter what configuration I come up with, I make sure I'm following the rule of doorways must have an opening of at least 32 inches when measured with the door open 90 degrees, and hallways must be at least 32 inches wide. This allows for wheelchairs to pass through. Now I have had areas like a claustrophobia tunnel that are obviously not wheelchair friendly, so in that case I make sure I have a bypass. A local haunt in my area has a hearse that you have to crawl through, but they have a bypass if you're old and decrepit like me, so I don't have to crawl around. Trust me, this old crone's knees don't work like they used to. I'll be honest, there are times when I've grumbled and griped about being ADA compliant, but when I see the joy on someone's face who has never been able to go through a haunted house before, it is all worth it. Another little bit of advice when you get a customer in a wheelchair. Have a staff member go through the haunt with them. This is just in case there are any issues. My actors also like a heads up too, so they don't get caught off guard and and they can modify their scares to get the best results. Now, one last bit of advice. Don't forget to hydrate while you're out there building. We got to take care of each other and ourselves in order to make it to haunt season. So until next time, don't forget to stir the cauldron. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're live at the Haunters Against Hate Convention. Having a grand time. A lot of people visiting and checking out vendors and everything. And you know, just like when I was at Carolina Fear Fest a couple weeks ago, I ran into somebody who played music. Found another person here that's got a band called The Dead Speak, based out of Louisville, Kentucky. I've got Wayne and Jamie here. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're doing great. great. Yeah. How's the show been treating you so far? It's fun. A lot of really nice people. Yeah, it's been awesome seeing the different artists here, um, also just being part of a community that's here for a great cause. So we're very fortunate to be able to play for it. And you, as I, as you just said, you are playing. You're playing a party tonight, I take it, in conjunction with this? Yep, we'll be at uh, Wicked World Scaregrounds today um, for the after party. So we go on at 8, and then there's going to be some drag show, um, I think for less dancers. and close Variety stuff. Yep. Right. Now, Jamie, when you came by earlier, you told me two words that should never be paired together, but yet they work if you think about it, and those are goth and country. 
So tell us a little bit about what the Dead Speak is. How did you guys form? What are some of the influences? And uh, what exactly is the Dead Speak? So we're a two-person band, Wayne and I. He plays the drums, um, also does a lot of the sound engineering, pyrotechnics, fog machine expert. Um, I play the guitar and sing. Uh, we classify our genre as horror cowboy. Um, some people have known it as goth country, alternative, crodeo, or some terms named few. I've played in a band that used the term alternative before, so that that's okay. really cool. So, but um, what are some of the influences, and what are some of the themes? I assume it's dark and spooky and kind of Americana esque of that type. Yeah, I'd say so. Um, we, I, I like a little bit of everything personally. We try to incorporate a lot of our, you know, personal favorite music into what we write and what we create. Um, Streetlight Manifesto, uh, Mad Caddies, Dresden Dolls. Yeah, a lot of our songs are pretty different from each other. So we've got one song in particular that's very like swing style, kind of more rockabilly. We've got another song that's very just gritty, gravelly, punk sounding. Um, I don't know. Yeah, we honestly, we are just two people who love music. And I, I mean, I listen to everything from country to Miley Cyrus. So <laughs> that's, a, that's a wide range. And you've just released something online where people can download some of your music. Where would that be and how would they be able to do that? Yeah, so on Bandcamp, if you want to go to bandcamp.com uh, slash the dead speak, you should be able to find our page. We have three demos out there right now. Uh, also, our Instagram, you know, we have a link on there to all of our music um we have a link tree facebook you know all the things just look up the dead speak and you should be able to find our music and you guys do play around the greater kentucky area i assume do you have any upcoming dates coming up say in the next you know month or two this won't air until at least a week from now yeah, so we've got um, we've got a couple shows coming up towards the end of July. We'll be playing at Air Devils Inn on the twenty second. What towns are those? Um, these so that one's in Louisville. We're playing in Louisville again at Gold Bar. We're going to be opening for kind of a acoustic emo artist, Danny Attack, um, and then we're going to be traveling to Augusta, Kentucky, and playing at the pub there for a few hours. So. We're kind of all over the place. We're staying pretty busy for the next month or two, for Excellent. sure. Where are some websites and social medias where people can get more information about it, not just the band camp, but uh, maybe follow where you're going to play and all that? So if you look us up on Instagram or Facebook, we have the same handle for both. It's the deadspeak.band. Um, and we're also on Songkick and Bands in Town. So if you follow us on there, you'll get an email alert um, anytime we've got a show coming up in your area. Excellent. So Wayne and Jamie, I wish you guys best of luck for tonight, the uh, show at Wicked World. I'll be out there and we'll check out your music and uh, maybe you'll hear the music on the show at some point in the future. We'll have to talk about negotiating for that. But uh, again, guys, go to thedeadspeak.band and find out all things about this very interesting type of music. And I think you guys will like it because it sure sounds pretty cool to me. Once again, Drew Badger here live at Haunters Against Hate, the event in Lexington, Kentucky. And we're out. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. 
Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from instrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. We're in Lexington, Kentucky at Haunters Against Hate, the event number two, and we are hanging out with all the cool kids and all the celebrities and all the great folks. And Met this guy a couple of years ago at Carolina Fear Fest in Raleigh, I believe, which I was just at again, but you're a return customer, so to speak, to Haunters Against Hate. It is none other than Ricky Vitus from Face Off, has his own FX stuff. He's got some scary and horrifying creatures sitting here at his booth, standing at his booth. How you doing, Ricky? I'm doing good. You're going to offend my guys here. You know, I told them they were beautiful this morning, and now you're calling them scary. Well, you know, scary in a beautiful way. How's that? Yeah, that's what my mother calls me, so I'd say good. <laughs> and, and tell me what you've got here. I mean, you've got this uh, you know, werewolf-looking thing, a demon-looking thing. I assume these are all crafted by you. Yeah, I mean, you got eyes, so you got them. So uh, the demon here, he was actually from a short film I did, and I got a werewolf. He's actually for a client. I uh, do them made to order. They're basically, they're almost like taxidermy mounts. People eat them up. It, it looks great. The realism, the blood, of course. Oh, you got the photo here. I didn't oh, even yeah. see it of you constructing yeah, that. The whole, the whole bit. You should have seen earlier. There's a dog walking around. His name's Tofu. He, uh, he took one look at the werewolf started freaking out. That's uh, Tofu it. from AEO Studios. Yeah, I believe that's Drew and Allen's pup. The very so. same. The very same. <laughs> it, it's crazy what, what a werewolf would do to freak out a dog. I mean, there are canines in there. Yeah. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, I'd say a couple, couple little primal eyes there. There you go. So what brings you back to Haunters Against Hate? You were here for year one. This is year two. And as far as I know, other than Lori Cardillo, who was not here this year, you were the only person, unfortunately, she, she could not attend. But um, you're back. So what brings you back? Well, um, as I've mentioned uh, you know, a couple other times on other platforms, I am two letters of the Alphabet Mafia, the LGBTQ you could take two guesses at those letters, but I'll let you have it. Um, I'm here to support, you know, Paul Lanner and the whole organization. I think it's amazing, uh, and it's a nice crossover. We have haunted houses, we have horror, and we have loving support for the LGBTQ youth, this, that, and the other. Um, so to do anything to be a supporter of this is absolutely brilliant. So that's why I'm returning. I, I love the fact it's a complete judgment-free zone. We've seen some people dressed as many different things cosplaying some horror some anime some other things we've seen people just walking around in what quote unquote normal clothes i mean it's just a big whole thing and everyone's happy everyone's doing a good thing and just doing their thing and that's that's what it's all about that's it it's a great melting pot for a good cause a lot of spooky stuff a lot of fun stuff and honestly i've seen a lot of beautiful stuff too there have been some very very i'll go with that word that that works <laughs> there you so go, there you go let me get in trouble. You're fine. Okay, fine. I'll let you take the heat for it because I don't want to get in trouble I, as a... Listen, I pack the heat and I take it too. <laughs> so what have you got out here? I mean, I know you're plugging some stuff here. you got some stickers. you got some T-shirts going on and things like that. Are you, are you, you know, asking for clients? Are there haunted houses coming up to you saying, hey, I need you to create something for us or things like that? Honestly, I have no real motive to be here other than to be here, <laughs> truly. So, you know, I, I sell a lot of high-ticket items at other conventions online. I have a lot of, you know, private collector clients and films, um, but that's not what I'm here for. I just have some stuff on display, uh, threw some shirts out for people, just genuinely want to be here. However, tomorrow, which is Saturday, I don't know what, what day of the week anybody's listening to this, but uh, 
Saturday for the convention, I'll be doing a fairly large uh, makeup demonstration. Uh, I decided to go head over heels and well over my head with my heels <laughs> and uh, do a full creature suit. Um, oh God. Yeah, I don't really? know if I don't know if anybody's mentioned it. Uh, I'm looking over at Does some goats. Paul even? Oh gosh, there are <laughs> so, goats and yes. pigs here, which uh, will fall into factor tomorrow. I actually had no idea that there were going to be goats here. Found out about two weeks after I decided what I was going to be doing tomorrow. You so didn't very know. Very fortunate. Very fortunate. You did not know about the goat moses in the morning. I knew about it a while ago. However, I made a decision to make this creature suit. And then two weeks later, I figured out what was going to be here. <laughs> Obviously, this is a big spoiler, and it's going to be a goat man. Uh, yeah, this will air yeah. after the convention, so Oh, you're fine. yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, no big spoiler there regardless. Nobody was, <laughs> like, shaking in anticipation for this guy to do this. Breaking news. Uh, <laughs> it's a goat man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it ended up being... Uh, some nice synchronicity. So we're going to maybe get like a little photo shoot of a goat man and his babies. Nice. Oh, and with the goat. Oh, that's exactly. that works even That's great. what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So what you're working on these days? You're doing some movie work. You're doing some TV stuff. You're doing some um, just as you said, <laughs> custom pieces. What's going on? Honestly, a little, a little here, a little there, and a little all over the place. Any and I spoilers, really spoilers, <laughs> teaser. Here's a spoiler. I need a nap. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, I do a lot of stuff for private clients. Uh, I work within different studios. Uh, I'm also working with Tom Spina Designs. I do restoration work on things from the films that basically made us as special effects artists. Uh, you know, I've restored a lot of aliens, you know, aliens from the movie Alien. Really? A lot of gremlins. So you're going in and actually restoring the actual movie yes. props that have deteriorated over 30, yeah. 40 years. Honestly, it's pretty amazing. So these, wow. uh, you know, as I said, these are the things that made us. You know, these are the things that made me want to do what I want to do. And uh, to become an integral part of this thing's lifeline is just insane. Absolutely wild. So I've been doing that for a little bit. Um, and I got some short films going on right now. I'm writing some stuff. Like I said, I'm all over the place at the moment. Fantastic. And you are also here receiving a Legacy Award, if I understand correctly. I am. I am. Shocking. <laughs> That's Congratulations a, yeah. on that, I, I must say. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. I'm bewildered. I don't know what I did to deserve it, but I'm extremely excited. Well, I'm assuming <laughs> the fact that you came back here without any agenda to plug or yeah. anything because you support the cause probably had something do. to do with I it. Do. Plus, you know. Um, on my Facebook platform, so I like to keep two things separate. It kind of crosses over sometimes. My Instagram, which is, of course, Ricky Vitus, um, is mostly, mostly my art. Uh, but if you go on my Facebook, uh, which, once again, that's Ricky Vitus, I do a lot of uh, advocacy for the LGBTQ. Once again, I am two of those letters, so I got a little bit in the game there. Yeah, you're best. Uh, just a little bit. You know, it's one of those things. So I like to inform people about what's going on and also the intricacies within the community that other people might not know. Because within my reach, I have a lot of people that are outside of the community. And there's a lot of stuff that people just don't know and understand, and I like to be the person to kind of put that out there and have that information be accessible so we could all understand each other a little bit better. Well, let's hope so. It's crazy times, and the yeah. more education we get out there and the more understanding, maybe they'll be slightly less crazy. I mean, that's the biggest part of it. The only thing a lot of these people have that, you know, there's hate. There's people that are genuinely hateful. And then there's people that are just truly ignorant. I use that in the most positive way. Ignorance is not a negative connotation. It's only, only if an ignorant person uses it as a negative thing. 
Uh, I've definitely met a lot of ignorant people that truly they've never met a, a, a transgender person in their life. So the only media and the only thing they know about transgender people are what's given to them. And based on their environment and what they're watching, it might not be the best. So they just don't understand what's going on. And I like meeting those people. And nine times out of ten, some of those people genuinely just want to learn. And then they figure out, what this is a real person. This isn't this funny thing I saw in a You're comedy. not this demon spawn yeah. from Satan himself, yeah, there, according to some people. There's that. And a lot of media, like, it's a joke. You, right. you watch a lot of movies, you see a transgender person, and it's a punchline. People don't think about, oh, this is a real person. This isn't just a joke of a, of a thing. You know, this, this isn't an object to be laughed at. This is a real person, and they're fighting for their rights. So once these things are actually kind of dremeled into somebody's head, they start to realize the stakes of the game of these people and these minorities. And just beyond even the LGBTQ, almost any minority... If you don't understand and you don't know, and this information is not accessible to you, you don't understand the plight of somebody Right. if you've never been there and you've never seen it. So I like putting that information out there because, you know, if somebody isn't going to see it, then it's not going to get there, so why not put it out there? There you go. And, of course, that, of course, is um, very much a reason why your Legacy Award is very well deserved. So let's, uh, let's find out a couple of quick things here. Um, are you making any other appearances at any other shows before the end of the year? Where can we find that information out, if you are, if you're doing a workshop or if you're just appearing? Or uh, how can people get more information about Ricky Vitus, maybe places where you will be appearing, or you know, maybe custom order or check out some of your work? I'll be appearing in your dreams. Oh. Truly. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea where I'm going to be next, but... Uh, if you want to follow me on any social media, if you want to check out my work, my Instagram is aforenamed. It's Ricky Vitus. That's at Ricky Vitus. That's R-I-C-K-Y. V is in victory, I-T-U-S. Um, and you can find me on Facebook at just about the same. My website's Vitus FX. Uh, you can keep up with me on there. Um, I never know th- I never know the end of my day half of the time. So it's, a, <laughs> it's an adventure for me. <laughs> so if you want to check out whatever the hell's going on with me, you can follow me up on there. Excellent. Well, Ricky, always a pleasure to see you, sir. Wonderful. And uh, we will certainly be watching you receive the Legacy Award this weekend here at Haunters Against Hate 2, the event here in Lexington, Kentucky. My name is Drew Badger for The Big Scary Show, hanging with everybody out here and having a great time. And we're out. Michael Hedstrom, Hall of Portraits on The Big Scary Show.
Hello everybody, Drew Badger here. Things are winding down a little bit here in Lexington, Kentucky at the Haunters Against Hate, the event number two. But like we always like to do at conventions, we always like to talk to the organizers, kind of get their thoughts on how the show was. Uh, I've had a grand time. Uh, most of the people I've talked to have had a great time. The goats look like they've had a good time. The pig looks absolutely delicious. I mean, it looks like it's had a great time too. It's all fantastic. And uh, Haunters Against Hate, of course, has such a great charity background to it, helping kids, troubled youths, LGBTQ+, and all that good stuff. So let's talk to Paul Lanner, the organizer and owner and creator of Haunters Against Hate. Paul, you have to be exhausted. You, that, that's an understatement. <laughs> I'm physically and mentally exhausted. So are you just going to like go home and just finally exhale when this is finally done, or is there just still a whole lot more work to do when, this, when the thing shuts down later today? No, I'm probably going to go home and turn on the Golden Girls and go to bed <laughs> and then deal with it tomorrow. Yeah, there's, there's a lot worse things you could do at that point than sit down and watch that. But uh, how has the show been? I mean, you know, the crowds have been decent. The people have always been very nice coming around talking to everybody i've seen a lot of just really really cool costumes the cosplay the vendors seem to be doing well the goat mosas yesterday the line was out the door and it's they're about to line up for some more here in a few you know reflections on this how's it gone how are the numbers you may not know that but how are how are things compared to last year and looking for looking beyond it seems like it's um expanded more this year with uh client or guests coming and it's a more, almost a more intimate year. Um, everyone feels very family-oriented. It's been very emotional with the Haunters Against Hate Awards this year. I was going to ask about that. Yeah, very emotional. And all the Q&A panels with the celebrities have gone fantastic. Um, for example, yesterday with Russ Streiner and Judith O'Day from Night of the Living Dead, uh, during the panel, when it ended, Russ came up to me and he said, this has been one of my most favorite Q&As. He goes, I wish we would have recorded it. Ooh, I know. if only there was a podcast here that could have done that but was never asked to. <laughs> but we can always work on that for next year because, if I have some breaking news here, you probably will have a Haunters Against Hate the Event 3 next year, correct? Yes, yes. It is very much looking like there's going to be a number 3. Excellent. And everyone needs a trilogy. <laughs> there you go. All the great ones do, right? Yes, exactly. Consider it the Haunters Against Hate, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> and, and we won't talk about the last three Star Wars trilogy. No, we'll just we'll just keep Lord of the Rings. That's better. Yes, yeah, we'll stick with that. Maybe The Hobbit, but no. Okay, maybe. maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, um, you, you mentioned the uh, award show, and it was emotional and everything. Tell us a little bit about some of the uh, highlights of that. Well, um, the Haunter of the Year going to Tommy Clancy, who was a 14-year-old young man, getting the award, and him coming up on stage and revealing to everyone how he just battled anorexia and self-harm, and that the Haunters Against Hate event and the award has really helped him mentally and energized him, meant so much to all of us. I mean, and that's what Haunters Against Hate is all about. And the Jesse McDonald Memorial Award going to Brandon Shirley, who was a deputy sheriff, LGBT deputy sheriff, and was ambushed and killed. And his partner receiving the award was very, very touching and emotional. 
but that's that's what it's all about. That's the connection of Haunters Good State. That's what makes these events different from your typical cons. Not that there's anything wrong with a typical horror con, but I my goal for this was always to make it more intimate, more emotional, more people connecting with people. I, I don't go to a lot of other horror cons that do award shows, first of all. So, you know, what you do here is very, very unique, very, very special, and, as you said, emotional and probably not a dry eye in the house for at least a couple of examples. No, there wasn't. Even I was blubbering on stage <laughs> like a fool um, when Tommy started giving his speech and he mentioned me that I, I couldn't hold it together at that point. I was done. Well, I know that uh, Wicked World Scaregrounds had a great night, Friday night. The after party last night was fun. <laughs> There's a lot of people not here right now. Wonder why. Hmm. Mm, probably questionable, s- yeah, huh? questionable. And they've already said that next year they, they would love to expand their, their influence here. So maybe two nights there. So, again, you know, everybody seems to be benefiting in the area. The local restaurants are. The haunt did, and the vendors certainly are doing good. So it looks like, all in all, this is going to be considered a very successful show. Yes, and I'm very happy about that. And if one person walks out and says, this changed me, this made me feel better, this, you know, I feel more connected with someone, that's that's it. It's been, the mission's been accomplished. That, and that is what it's all about, making a difference in people's lives. And, Paul, you should be sainted for all the work you have done over the past five years to make Haunters Against Hate what it is, accumulating in this fantastic convention here. I've had a grand time. The Big Scary Show, you know, supports you guys 104%. So, you know, let us know about next year when all the dates and the times and everything are confirmed, and we'll see how we can be of service to you. And, um, again, congratulations. This has been, I'm sure, another, I'm sure it's taken you a year to get to this point from last year. It has. It has. It's a long, arduous process. Mm, I could not do it, so I applaud you, my friend, and congratulations again. Thank you for letting the Big Scary Show be a part of it. Thank you. Anytime. I, you know, I adore you guys, and you're always welcome. And once again, folks, winding down things at Haunters Against Hate, the event in Lexington, Kentucky. I've got a long drive on the road, so we're going to grab a couple more interviews, see a couple things, buy a few more things, and we are off. My name is Drew Badger for the Big Scary Show, and we're out. Your actors, your props, yourself. If they're worth dressing right, they're worth Von Caro. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaro.com. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N dot com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Von Caron Productions. And... VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and More, RabbitBadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at WrestleHorror.com. And Storm, Rants and More, HauntMinute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing.
The Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show, LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on The Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves.